Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Wednesday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin filling in today for Jamie Rivers, my guy, Danny Mack. What's up, Dan? How are I'm you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing good. So you and I are so woefully underprepared. The YouTube channel right now is like, these guys are really just putting in their Oh, that doesn't mean you're unprepared. Not or unprepared for the show. Yeah, just uh, ill-prepared, I guess, for the, the start the, of the show. Well, the meeting we had in the uh, sports office was extensive. Yeah. It was about three hours. We uh, went back and forth with Marshy about mm-hmm. topics and what we need to hit. Break down that third line of the Blues. Maybe get into the uh, <laughs> second string of the uh, Browns. Somewhere, yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. I would like to get into every backup <laughs> offensive line situation in the NFL at some point throughout the course of the show. Dan. You're such a nerd, though. I, <laughs> you probably know it. That's the problem. I do love that. You're stuff. a football nerd, I, and I mean that with all due respect. I, I totally get that, and we'll, we'll play. We'll talk plenty of golf because I know you're a, a golf nerd. I am, and I and I mean that with all due respect. And I appreciate that. Yeah, that's a that's a an endearment, right? Yes, it, it is. It's an endearing comment. It's a very endearing comment. Do you have to switch up the show? Uh, uh, when I'm in, or BT's in, or Jamie's in, or uh, you know, what's your preparation like? You're you're just you're handing it off, man. You're Johnny Manziel. Yeah, well, except for, he didn't hand it off very often. No, he he just ran right. He just ran <laughs> yeah, or threw right. it up to Mike Evans. Exactly. You guys had watched that Jan, that Johnny Manziel documentary on on Netflix, and both of you raved about it. And now all I want to do is make up some excuse of why I can't do the show. Yeah. So yeah. I can go watch this now. You and you and Marsh completely What'd sold me on this. What do you think, Marshy? I thought it was great. Anthony, you can pull uh, pull a Johnny Manziel and tell your parents that you know might need you to stay at the at a hospital or something so you can pass a drug test. He was referencing that, my parent. I, I, I'm excited to, to watch all the behind the scenes because I know a little bit about. Yeah, I feel like I know. I, I felt like I knew a lot about Manziel, but the, with what you guys are telling me, I had no idea. What, one what of the interesting on. things that I took from it, that's why I brought up Manziel, because it was on my mind and I watched it at like 3 in the morning last night. <laughs> I couldn't sleep, so I'd flip on Netflix and there it is, untold. And so um, I don't know, Marshy, if you picked up on this, but what was interesting to me was that I thought he came from a very wealthy family. Yeah. And, and so Same. and that's not necessarily the case. Now I'm not talking that he grew up on the streets. Yeah. But I mean I thought it was like, oh, oil, oil money, money or something and yeah. they made a ton of money. It was his buddy that said, You need to come up with an excuse as to why you're you're making all that money from signing and memorabilia and all that stuff. And he said, Let's just say that your parents are well off and that's where you get the money. Yeah. So he, he got upset because Texas A and M 
was building a new stadium. They were putting up new dormitories. They're, I mean, everything is off the shelf is number two. So he's like, why am I not getting any of that? He was a little right. ahead of name, image, and likeness. And so then he went and got his money. And then the NCAA was coming down on that. And he, his buddy said, who was kind of his quote-unquote business manager at the time, <laughs> they were like childhood friends. And he said, oh, just, just say that your parents are wealthy and that's where you get the money. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. That was the excuse. And that's why it got out to the general public that, oh, well, this is just some rich kid and he's spoiled and all that stuff. Well, right. he may have been spoiled, but he didn't come from oil money, at least not to my knowledge. Sure. It was yeah. it was really good, though. It was fascinating. A lot of interesting things that uh, you didn't necessarily know. I think a lot of people knew a lot about Johnny Manziel, but there's a lot of... Uh, just small details that I think the general public did not know about him. But, yeah, I thought the, the craziest thing was them making up a complete lie about where, you know, his family's wealth came from. Yeah. And if you go on Google, you could probably still find that it says, like, oh, his family has X amount of millions of dollars in, in the oil industry and whatnot. But, yeah, I, I found it to be very interesting. I also watched Hard Knocks last night as well with Aaron Rodgers. I'm, I'm sure you'll end up tuning into that, Anthony. <laughs> but, yeah, no, the Johnny Manziel thing, it, it was it was definitely interesting. I, I thought watching back and watching the the Alabama game, it really it really changed his life. Yeah, it, it was did. A very, the Alabama it was the, game was just fantastic. And he had two – he said there was two of the best throws of his life, which was on the final drive. One was down the right sideline. The other one, I think, was over the middle, maybe to Mike Evans. I can't remember, which should be a part of the story is that he had – one hell of a receiver that turned out to be a hell of a pro. No doubt. You know, to go to. But still, the, the escapability that he had, the yeah. fact that he kind of burst onto the scene as, as an undersized guy, and no one really recruited him. He wanted to go to Texas. He winds up at Texas A&M, and then he goes and becomes the first freshman to ever win the Heisman. And his life became a whirlwind after that. I mean, just so much pressure and people tugging at him and all that yeah. stuff. So it's pretty good. He also exposed Alabama and Nick Saban's defense. You know, the Nick's, Nick Saban had such – Nick Saban's calling card is the secondary. That's that's what he coaches. Exactly. And his his secondary kind of got exposed because of some of the, uh, the, the non-athleticism within the front seven. So when he faced mobile quarterbacks – and he still has this issue to, to this day. I mean, Hendon Hooker got him a year ago. When you when he faces mobile quarterbacks, they tend to give him a lot of issues, and it, it kind of stemmed from Johnny Manziel. He figured in the SEC, he got a lot of pocket passers, we'll be fine. Then this kid's out there running around, and all of the discipline because he's got a very disciplined defense. All the all the disciplined aspects of his defense were basically thrown back in his face. Sure, because Johnny Manziel just played backyard football. Did you think uh, Manziel would be a decent pro? No, I, I didn't really either. Well, I mean, if you watch the documentary, we'll never know. We'll never know because he's just self-sabotaged his entire career. Yeah, but still, with his size and sure. at times, if you need to be, be just a passer, and if you scramble against the athletes that the NFL throws at you, mm-hmm. I, I don't think you're going to make it. Now, there's right. some Michael Vick did. Yeah, I mean, there's the there's the outlier, I guess you you could look at. But what was also interesting is that his agent was great in this and how he prepared him and how he got him to move up in the draft. Yeah. And his agent had been preparing him and saying, you are not a first-round pick. Just understand you're not going to be a first-round pick. You're going to sign for plenty of money, but the endorsement deals are going to come flying in. So are we a businessman? Is that what we are here, or are we a QB? 
And he's like, well, a little bit of both, you know, whatever. And he's, it, he made a ton of money, though. Mm-hmm. It was cool. I, I just enjoy I, any of those behind-the-scene things like that that are yeah. well done. They're, they're fun to watch. I it, think there was uh, one thing that really stood out to me, and me and Tanner were just talking about it as we were walking in, and he was walking out. But how many people basically succeeded because of Johnny Manziel. You look at Cliff Kingsbury, who was the offensive yep, coordinator yep. at the time. Yeah, he ended up getting a, a job at Texas Tech and then, of course, became the Arizona Cardinals head coach. Kevin but, Sumlin was his head coach, yeah. cashed mm-hmm. in with a big deal. Really, it was the athletic department mm-hmm. at Texas A&M that 100%. cashed in yeah. all over the place. They moved to the SEC. That was his first year. Mm-hmm. And uh, they literally show the stadium being blown up as they build a new section of the stadium for Texas A&M. It, it just, it's remarkable. I remember doing football games for Mizzou, and we talked about at halftime, we had somebody of an administrator came on, we're talking off the air, and I said, what What does it mean? This is off the air. I said, what does it mean that Gary Pinkle has had this kind of success? He said, well, we get a free commercial every Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. We're on national television. Our enrollment has gone up by, I mean, ridiculous amount of percentage. Yeah. And he said, no matter, no matter where you go on campus, there's a new building going up. He said, that's directly related to Gary Pinkle and what's happening with the football program. And that's why it's when you look, recognize that. It, it was great that he did. And he was an academic guy. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, we have a laboratory right now that we've been trying to get up and erected and and we haven't been able to do that until the football program took off Mm -hmm. and so when you talk about paying players i always go back to that conversation of what does nick saban mean for alabama the state the university the non-athlete he's he's incredibly important because Mm -hmm. of all the money that he's bringing he's underpaid if you look at what they're bringing into that university he's probably underpaid sure now, that sounds crazy to say that, but it's the truth. Yeah, These guys bring in big bucks. Yeah, and, and a lot of times, especially in college basketball, it's, it is really about the coach because you got these players coming in and out. But in college football, I think that applies too. Yeah. Look at Dabble Sweeney at, Clem- at Clemson or you know Brian Kelly now at LSU. I mean, if LSU has some success, and Brian Kelly has succeeded everywhere he has gone. He succeeded yep. at Cincinnati. He succeeded, for, succeeded at, one I think, one year at my alma mater, which was Central Michigan. He succeeded at... Um, Notre Dame, obviously, and then now he goes to LSU. Turned into a villain, didn't he, when he went to he, LSU? He totally did. And the what's interesting too, he though, about his voice. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he became. He kind of <laughs> became a character. By you. Yeah, I was like, what? 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 You're right. not from here. <laughs> but with Brian Kelly, you know the thing. He, he was one of the more under, not that he was underpaid, but in comparison to other top coaches around the nation, he oh, was yeah. underpaid at Notre Dame and he was there a long time and took him to a national took him championship, to a national championship. absolutely so there was a there was Brian Kelly had a lot of success at Notre Dame and I understand that you know he left kind of cloak and dagger what what head coach doesn't Saban did the same thing yep um even talking about I, I am not going to the Dolphins and then you know wound up going to the Dolphins yeah uh then I'm not going to Alabama winds up at Alabama so these guys do a kind of cloak and dagger but what to your earlier point Dan about what these guys do for that university I mean oh. It's the the growth, the growth is exponential. Absolutely, off yeah. of that. I do find it interesting to see just how much one single figure can make such an impact. Whether that's a player, you guys are mentioning coaches, not only at the college level, but just at any sport at the you know in the pros too. And you know we, we're talking about you know the Cardinals. Oh, you know the past few weeks, should they should they trade Paul Goldschmidt? Should, should yeah. they trade Nolan Arenado? If you get rid of any of those guys or both of them 
what does this team become then? Like, I feel like everyone gets behind one singular person. We were talking about LSU. You know, you had Coach O there for a while, and you had Joe Burrow, yeah. right? You have all these guys that bring in that money, and I think you can tie that even to the the conversation that's happening now with college football in terms of switching conferences. Dan, you mentioned how good it is for the university. This is huge for the for these universities. I, I will say this, though, when it comes to you know Johnny Manziel, what mm-hmm. happened with Johnny Manziel against the Cleveland? He doesn't win. There goes all the Johnny football stuff. 100%. I love the uh, the Johnny yeah, the, money, the, the Johnny money stuff. Mm-hmm. You know the the Cardinals. I don't I don't know if people love their superstars. People love their superstars when they win, for sure. And I think whatever the whatever the team is, if it's winning, the fan base will kind of adopt that identity. So if it is a start like the Yankees, for example, the Yankees won star star studded players, right? The Yankee fans want stars. I think here in, in St. Louis, we, we can say, ah, yeah, sometimes it's boring. But when they're winning, it's still kind of a boring team, but it's like it's a lunch pail team. So you just change right. it ever so slightly. But the key there is got to win. You bring up Coach O and Ed, Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron won. He had to be one of the best college football teams in, in, <laughs> Ed, in college football history. <laughs> yeah. And then two years later, he was out. Why? Because he didn't recruit. He really didn't recruit as well. well you got to have the Jimmys and the Joes. Don't worry about the X's and the O's, right? Well, there you go. Right. <laughs> it fell apart on him, and you know now he's nowhere to be seen. So yeah, you got to win. I uh, to Marsh's point. I, I think what's happening in college football is inevitable. Yeah. When you think about the television money that is running around there, and the fact that you can double it, triple it, whatever the case may be. So what? I mean, they're going to do it, and they're going to say, well, the soccer team's got to travel commercially and go across. Okay. Well, right. the baseball team, okay. Yeah. Well, football is going to make us about $200 million, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> no problem. Where do I sign now? Exactly. It, yeah. Okay, no problem. Oh, all yep. the, man, I'm going to miss the Rose Bowl. Okay. No okay. problem. Yeah. I'm good. Hi. See Tradition. It, yeah. It's out the window, man. Yeah. No one cares. Dan McLaughlin, Anthony Stalter, it's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac filling in for Jamie Rivers today. Last night, Miles Michaelis was pulled from a game uh, against the Rays that you know you, he probably should have he probably should have been left in. Should the Cardinals move away from what we have seen with the modern day pitching? And not just starting pitchers, but the bullpen as well. We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So the Cardinals fell to the Tampa Bay Rays last night at Tropicana Field. Miles Michaelis pitched very well in that start last night. No offense, unfortunately, for the Cardinals outside of a Nolan Arenado home run in the top of the second and then the Wilson Contreras home run uh, to center in the, the ninth. And Wilson Contreras hit a home run, and I think like five minutes later his brother William from Milwaukee hit, hit a home run. So that was kind of a cool moment at the time. But, again, no offense for the Cardinals last night. They struggle. They lose 4-2. to Dan McLaughlin, Anthony Stalters, Fastlane on 101 ESPN. So, Dan, seven innings for Miles Michaelis last night, eight hits, two runs, five Ks. 
kind of reminiscent of the the start he had a year ago at Tropicana Field where he pitched very well and gave up a home run to G-Man Choi, and that kind of wound up being the difference. So he hasn't had a lot of luck when it comes to pitching in Tampa, even though he's pitched well. But the scenario last night is he was at 80 pitches. So he throws 80, he's at he's in the seventh inning, and the Cardinals make, you know, Ali Marmel and his coaching staff decide pull him out of the game. Andre Pallante comes in, and in his less than an inning, he only a third of an inning, he allows four hits, two runs, both earned, and before you know it, the Rays take the lead in the uh they tie it in the seventh and then add three in the eighth. So you got a situation last night, Dan, where Miles Michaelis had been pitching well and they decide to pull him. This is nothing new to baseball. This is not a Miles Michaelis thing. This is not a Cardinals thing. This is a they don't want pitchers to face a lineup three times in a row because they feel like, and the statistics will bear this out. Ask Kevin Cash. There you go. <laughs> Crossing <laughs> the other Snell. dugout. Right. Yeah. That eventually that the other team, especially three times through the order, they're, they're going to get to my starter. And the game of baseball has become specialized. I've heard you talk about this a lot. I can't stand it, right. but it is what it is. Yes. So, so here's the question. Then. Yeah. If the Cardinals are going to turn things around, they're going to they're going to retool quickly. They're going to add some starters, whatever whoever starters that are. Separate conversation. But do they need to have a different philosophy when it comes to handling not only the starter in this case Michaelis, but also the bullpen? And not assume that they can do the whole specialized bullpen thing. I think it's, first of all, it has to go with personnel and who you have in that bullpen. Now, I wouldn't trust that bullpen right now. Right. Um, and maybe part of the decision was, first of all, the decision was made on analytics. I guarantee you that. It, it, not an eye test, even though I disagree with that. I think you do go with an eye test. I think you watch how a guy is throwing. But they, they have the numbers there readily available. Spin rates, velocity where the ball is going, all that stuff, as yeah. the game is going along. And so they can kind of make sure that they nip that in the bud and say, okay, we're, we're not going to let this guy get that far because these things are trending in the wrong direction. So I, I, I understand it. I don't like it because, to me, it's an eye test and it's a veteran. And I'm saying, what do I have to lose anyway? Right. Right? I, I'm just going to throw him out there. We need a win. Let's go give him the best chance to do it. Plus – do we really want to turn this over to a bullpen when he has a chance to win it? Keep it in his hands. Mm-hmm. He can he can either win it or he can lose it. Another thing to think about, too, going down the stretch, and I'll be really interested how they do this with their pen, is you may have situations that pop up like that, and you, you may wonder, why is this guy coming in? Why is Joe coming in? Why is Steve coming in? Why is that guy coming in? And it might be to find out about Joe and Steve and the other guy. Put him in uncomfortable spots and see what you have. Yeah, Because really, you're... you're not really. You are playing for next year, mm-hmm. and guys are playing for spots. Don't think for a second that this start tonight isn't important for Dakota Hudson. Matthew Libertor will go tomorrow. It's an important start for him. These guys have to show something to give the club some reason to say either you're a starter or you're a triple-A or you're in my bullpen. Right. So I, I, I'm trying to just kind of throw it out on the table as all these different scenarios I think that we're seeing. But the ultimate one, to your point is the philosophy in baseball and again you're asking me about it i don't like it yeah i go i test a lot i I use the information i have there you go okay right but then i still have to go i test i still have to go to Contreras or kisner and say i need an honest evaluation of what you're seeing right now Mm -hmm. i want it honest you know yadi was (laughs) blunt keep him in 
Okay, we're keeping him in. Take him out. All right, he's coming out. And I'm not saying Yachty is the end-all, be-all, and he should have been managing the club and the pitching. I'm not saying that. But I I want input from my pitching coach, my catcher, and an honest evaluation from my pitcher. Now, when you go out there to the pitcher, what are they going to say nine times out of ten? I'm fine. Keep me in. But to your point of what the philosophy is, I wish it was just a mixture of both and it wasn't just so mm-hmm. cut and dry that, okay, we got to 80 pitches, you're this time in the lineup, and now we're going to take the guy out. I, I just don't like that. Uh, Dan, you and I are in lockstep when it comes to that line of thinking. I couldn't agree more. Analytics are not the devil. Analytics are not, you know, it, it, they're not ruining the game. I think there's this narrative that that analytics are ruining the game. I think it's I think it's just kind of short-sighted. All analytics are, it's it's information. It's information that you have, as you noted, throughout a course of a game or, or pregame, that whether it's percentages or information that's telling you how um, uh, a pitcher is faring, how a certain how a certain pitchers or pitches are fa- are are faring in a throughout a game, great. It's information. It comes down to the decision making. I can give you a pamphlet of stuff and say, hey, make it make a decision. You ultimately might be wrong at this, that decision. You might be right. But you're using the information that is that is at, at your disposal. That's right. I don't think we should – I don't think – in other words, I don't think analytics are good or bad. I think analytics are just that. It's information. When I look at Miles Michaelis in the seventh and he – or in the bottom of the sixth, he allows two singles right away. Then he gets the double play, and then he strikes out Brandon Brandon Lau. He is in a spot where Dave Duncan would call a stressful inning, though. That's a stressful inning. Dave Duncan, as you Runners know. Runners on, stressful inning. Exactly. You know more than anybody observing Dave Duncan throughout his entire career as a pitching coach here in St. Louis. This is somebody that highly believed in analytics, highly believed in his research in and dur- uh, before and in a game. But ultimately, he, when he watched a pitcher, how much stress is that pitcher on it, under when he is in the middle of an inning? So, also, go just, ahead. To, just to say this too, we don't know this. We're not in that dugout. He could have felt stress in the second inning. Right. Could have happened in the third. Could happen in the first. Those are things that, that get kind of lost in this too because you say, well, now I'm in the seventh. Yeah. And he's thrown 80 pitches. I'm keeping him out there. Okay, but there also might be a situation where he ran into trouble in the first, in the second, in the third, and you're playing with house money a little bit because the guy's on fumes. And yeah. there is a difference in pitching with nobody on or first and third, one out. Mm-hmm. There just is. It's high stress. Yes. And so those kind of things factor into this as well. Certainly. Now, this is just Michaelis, where I do agree with some some of the – Excuse me, the uh, the median fans where they say analytics are ruining the game. I think when teams say when they're predetermined to say yes. predetermined in the first inning exactly. or whatever, yeah, we, we know we're gonna go. We're gonna line it up this way tonight. Seven eight nine. This is how it's gonna go. Or six seven eight nine. That's how it's gonna go. And that's it. I want this reliever for this guy. And 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 th- throwing out the feel for the game. That is where I can side with the analytics or bad people uh, crowd and say, yeah, there's too many teams that rely solely on the information to make their decisions for them. It's it's numbers on a paper. I don't think I think that they they should be a part of the decision making. I don't think they should determine your decision. Yeah, third time through a lineup is always something that uh, you hear about. You always hear about stressful innings and i believe in those yeah but how do you how do you say that zach thompson is going to go out and give you eight strikeouts 
Now, let's say he was fully built up, mm-hmm. and now he's in his third time through the lineup, and who knows how many strikeouts he'd have by then. Who knows where his pitch count would be at that point because strikeouts usually build up your pitch count. Yeah. But you're going to tell me in that day when he's dealing, well, got to take him out. We're at 80 pitches. No, of course you yeah, wouldn't. Roll. Just right. let it roll, man. I also think it's something – Michael is, is a separate, separate issue because – He's a veteran. But I also think it's something to find out more about your young players, pitchers. You're not in a pennant race. You're trying to find out more about them. And what do you call them? Yeah, the, the Wavis Rancheros? Yeah, yeah. you know, those things. <laughs> I, I want to know a little bit more about that. Yeah. When stuff is on the line, what's my guy doing? Right. Is he peeking into the dugout, kind of going, come on, get me, get mm-hmm. me? You know, is he starting to slow down a lot yeah. as much as you can in today's game? Is he impacted by looking at the bullpen exactly. and seeing the bullpen's fired up? Yeah. I don't want to see that stuff. I want to know my guy wants it, and we're keeping him in there. Definitely. And at this point, if you're Ollie, you should go outside, in my opinion. You go outside the box with some of your, your moves. Why not put Jordan Walker hitting leadoff? Put him mm. in left. Put him in center. Put him in right. Yeah. I don't care. Right. Put uh, Nolan Gorman against lefties nonstop. Now there's the integrity of the game because some of these teams are going to be in the playoff race that you're going to you're going to face. But I got to do what's best for me and trying to find out more about my young players right. and my young pitchers. And that's something I think down the stretch you're going to see more of, especially, I bet, when we get to September. Yeah, if the Oakland A's can feel the minor league team for an entire season, you can bat Jordan Walker first a couple of times. And I'm not – I just threw that out of yeah, – you know. I, I, but I think it's I think it's, it's a great point nonetheless. Why not? You might as well figure out what you, what you have. The only benefit to losing season, one we just saw at the trade deadline, you can you can unload expiring contracts and not have to worry about anything but just getting as, the best value. Sure. And two, like you're talking about, Dan, in, in August and September, experiment. Yeah. I Roll out different guys, maybe do some bullpen games just to yeah. get more innings for guys, just to get them a look, see what they look like in multiple innings. Um, I, I've got no problem with that, and I think that's something that it, you owe it to your organization to do that. Also, put people in uncomfortable spots. Mm-hmm. Put put a guy out there when the game is on the line. And for four or five months, you would never do this. You'd bring in Gallegos or whatever. Bring in somebody else. Right. Game on the line. Let's see what we got. Let's see what you got. Yeah. Let's see. Let's let's check in on your Huevos Rancheros. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> That's I Dan McLaughlin. Say the other stuff. <laughs> I'd be off the air. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Anthony Stolzer. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Speaking of the lineup, we got the lineup as the lineup is out, so we'll play the lineup game next. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin, I'm Anthony Stalter, Danny Mac filling in today for Jamie Rivers, and we've got baseball tonight between the Cardinals and Rays, the second game of the series, 540 local time will be the first pitch tonight, so we got an early edition of the lineup game mm. again. Dakota Hudson starting for the Cardinals, coming off a very impressive start for Dak last weekend against Jalen Beeks, who is a left-hander, who is a left-hander for the Rays, but it's going to be... From my from my understanding, uh, Dan, it's going to be a bullpen game of sorts for the Rays. Well, if it's a bullpen game, then you may have a different looking lineup because you want to stagger left, right, left, right, right. potentially. So we'll see what um, it all comes about with the lineup game. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. I am more than ready. So even though the lefty is on the hill, again, I don't think Jalen Beeks is stretched out enough to pitch deep into this game. Could see like five or six different guys, right? Uh huh. I still think it's Newt at the top. I will go with large Newt Bar as well. Give me Newt, please. Andrew Marsh, show us that Newt. One, two, three, four. I'm grinding. I'm grinding. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. When did he change these up? We uh, we got we got more creative, even more creative. I man. like that. That made me laugh. That's probably my That's favorite. That's good stuff, Marshy. That's probably my favorite one. So, Marsh put together. Play that again, Marshy. Since Dan's here. <laughs> one, two, three, four. Oh, I'm grinding. I'm grinding. So, play oh. a new bar, please. <laughs> one, two, three, four. I'm grinding. I'm grinding. That's awesome. We, uh, <laughs> we have here in the fast lane, if you don't hit, you don't get a sounder. But since Dan hasn't heard a lot of these I, sounders. I think we got to play the sounders. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Marshy. We gotcha. All right, Dan, uh, any any issues with uh, Paul Goldschmidt in this spot? No, Goldie hitting uh, second. Show us Paul Goldschmidt. Gold! Rich with gold! Gold! So Jamie informed me. I didn't know that guy's name. I remember that. I, I know the claymation... You know, around Christmas time, yeah. they got the, like the claymation yeah. uh, root off the red uh, red nosed reindeer. Right? Yeah, I didn't know that that guy's name was Yukon Cornelius. Yes, and I think that's the that that is the most incredible name. You didn't know <laughs> I have, that? I, I didn't know that is that that's that was his name. It would not have rolled off my tongue, but hearing it again, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I, I've got I've got two boys. Dan, you've got two boys. Yep. I am disappointed that I didn't realize that Yukon Cornelius was was a name I could have potentially gone with. I don't think Chris and my wife would have liked that, but Yukon Cornelius Stalter, I think, would be just that that's tough, that's tough that stuff to deal have, with. That you think that would have been okay or not? I, I don't think it would have been okay. No, I don't yep. think it would have been well, voted on. It would have been a tough road for your son. I don't know. Yukon? <laughs> you gotta be a bad dude to be right. a Yukon. 
basically what I'm doing is getting him in with like UFC fighters mm-hmm. immediately. 100%. Yeah. He's in the octagon. Yes. Pillow <laughs> fighters. Either way. Yeah, either way. Right, anyways. Yeah. Um, okay, so we got Newt. We got Goldie. Who's hitting third? <laughs> what do you got? I'm going to follow your lead on this stuff. Typically, it's been Gorman. Yep. And lefty on the mound, though, they may drop him a little lefty bit. Lefty on the mound, but they didn't drop Newt. Although, what other what other spots do you have for, what other candidates do you have for leadoff, I guess, with Donovan out? You could have done... You could have done Edmund. Tommy is what I was thinking. You get a switch hitter up there, which then doesn't pigeonhole you as much. But I... Uh, I still no. think it's Gorman. I think he's going with a, his typical lineup with yeah. it being a bullpen game. All right, Nolan Gorman. All right, show us Nolan Gorman, please. Sorry, guys. Uh, See, that's how you thinking. got your Janet, though. Yeah, he did get Janet. Okay, so lefty, this could be... Lefty, lefty, maybe move him down. I don't know. This could be Contreras. This could be Arnato. It's I, probably I, only Kurt. I uh, would do Arnato personally. I think we go with Arnato then. Please show us Nolan Arnato. Nolan is a security guard at the lumber yard. Good call, Dan. Where's that from? That was, you had said that yesterday, Marsh. That is from Big Mama's Big House. Big Mama's I House. I haven't seen that house. Yeah, I, I haven't either. <laughs> or the movie. Either way, I haven't seen it either. <laughs> so apparently that's that's where it's from. All right, cleanup hitter today. Newt Bar, Goldie, Arenado, Contreras. Contreras. Yeah. Show us Wilson Contreras, please. You are so wrong. All right, Janet. Janet. Normally Janet is so kind. She can be. She Especially loves you, Dan. You. Well, she does. She loves you. She loves Jamie. We have a uh, special bond. You really do. Might be our displeasure at you every once in a while. Probably. Yeah. That's what Jamie and her. Is that right? They come together on. Yeah. They come yeah. together with they that. They come together. That's, that's quite a hatred. Uh, it's quite a combo. Me. Yeah, it certainly is, Dan. Janet's outstanding. Clean up hitter, please. So I like to think that I... Well, I love Janet. I respect I respect her enough to tell her when I think she's wrong. Is and that I, right? And I like to feel like Janet uh, respects me enough to tell me when I'm being an asshat. You know? I uh, I still want the shirt. <laughs> what shirt is that? Do you remember we're going to get a picture of her? face on it. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. With yeah. with some oh, with the sayings on the back, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes. I remember now. Like Go to charity. One. Anthony, who cares what you think? Thank you, Janet. That's my favorite. That's Probably number one on the list yeah. of top ten. <laughs> that, that's the one that's going to probably sell out the most. You got to watch the games, Anthony. Anthony, you don't watch the game. All right, who's hitting cleanup if it's not Contreras? Uh, let's see. Tyler O'Neill. Is he back in there? Probably. Let's try it. Tyler right. O'Neill. I'm a little, I'll be honest. I'm a little lost here on this. Yeah, I am too. Show us Tyler O'Neill, please. You're wrong. Yeah, I didn't think so either. I just threw out a name. Jordan Walker. There you go. Jordan Walker. Show us Jordan Walker, please. You're what wrong, Anthony. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> is it Gorman? And he just flipped them for no reason? Nolan Gorman, please. There's a storm coming, Ari. Okay. Damn, we are not off to a good start. No. All right, this I is Contreras. The, uh, you were good the first three. I had some reasoning behind it. Now I just threw it out the window. Yeah. <laughs> now you're just naming names. You're just going down the roster. So locked into this lineup. There's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot to get locked in about. Really am. Is this Contreras? This is Contreras. It's got to be. Show us Wilson Contreras, please. This one goes out to all the big willies. Wilson, are you naked? No, Tim. I'm wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. We have to give a good that reference. 
Uh, give me Contreras, please. This one goes out to all the big willies. Wilson? I don't Are know you naked? Is. No, Tim, I'm wearing a hat. Hold on, what's the beginning part from? I have no idea. I don't know either. Okay. Bradford found that. All Bradford, right. our guy Bradford yeah. Bruns found that cut. Bradford you know, line five, please. You know what the second <laughs> you know what the second reference is though. Go Tim, ahead. Tim Allen. Home improvement. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Because Wilson, you yeah, know, Wilson, yeah, where you yeah. can see his I was a little space. Off. Yes. Yeah. I was actually thinking something different. Hey, whatever. I digress. You heard it now, though. Yes. In your noggin. It is. All right. Uh, six. That's where we're at. We got Newt, Goldie, Arnado, Gorman, Contreras. This could be O'Neal. If he's back in the lineup, this could be O'Neal. Yeah, this is O'Neal. I'm putting it down in pen right now. I'm going to do be so back too. in there. I feel confident. Give me O'Neal. Show us. My fingers hurt. Oh, well, now your back's going to hurt because you just pulled landscape. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. It's one of our more. <laughs> it's one of our more snarky ones. That has nothing to do with his name or O'Neal or no. it has maybe something to reference a sore back. Correct. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay. There he is, batting sixth. Go ahead and play that again, please. We go for uh, entertainment here, Dan. Yeah, I can tell. Even when it's not funny. My uh, fingers hurt. Somewhat oh, hurtful. Well, now your back's gonna hurt because you just pulled landscaping duty. That's terrible. That's you know what? Uncalled for. Is it? Not really. Uh, all right. Good to see he's back in there, though. Yeah. That what was, was it last night? Left knee? It was. Right knee? Elbow? I think it was a left knee. Hangnail? What do we got? Now uh, you're getting it. No, I, I know where you're going with this. And now I didn't, you're... Dan, I didn't know why he's not in the lineup. I was Dan, just trying to get a, a full now uh, disclosure from you because you guys are locked in. Uh, left knee tightness. Yeah, left, it was, uh, left that, knee tightness. That knee okay. was tight, Dan, so he needed a full day off. I get it. So I um, get it. Seventh, this this I would imagine would be Jordan Walker. Yes, Jordan Walker. Let's walk it like it's hot, Marsh. What the H is wrong with you guys? Oh, my. Ookie. Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, new new can, bars in center. Yeah, I was just about doing the okay, so same. Neil and left. Neil. No Walker there, so Walker's going to bat eighth. Where is Tommy Edmond? He's batting ninth. Who are we missing? Hmm. Well, we're missing a if we're missing a DH, so this could be Burleson. Ooh, Burley. Yep. Give show me us, Burleson, yeah, please. Show us Alec Burleson. Some lefty on lefty magic from a guy like Nolan Gorman, who's hitting near you in the lineup. What? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Alexa uh, Dad. She's like, I, I thought that was a pretty easy comment. So we got Newt, Goldie, Arenado, mm-hmm. Gorman, Contreras, O'Neal, Burley. Mm-hmm. This and, is Walker. Uh, now Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker, please. Walk it like it's hot. Walk it like it's hot. Mm-hmm. And then Tommy Edmund. Tommy Boy. Show us Tommy Boy. Tommy Likey. Tommy want wingy. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I don't know why it's so stupid, but it makes me laugh. It Helen? does. Helen, your name? <laughs> I'll tell you why I suck as a salesman. Uh, All right. R- uh, run it, Marsh. All right. Well, Dan mentioned the lefty-righty, lefty-righty. So let's go over this lineup. Leading off in center field, the left-handed Lars Newtbar. Batting second, the DH, right-handed hitter. Uh-huh. 
Paul Goldschmidt. That's why I thought they'd do this. Stagger a little bit. Stagger That's a why bit. I thought it could be a little, a little different, Anthony. Well, it sure is. You were right. Man. They do change it up here. Batting third, third baseman, right-handed hitter. Nolan mm-hmm. Arnato. All right. Batting fourth, mm-hmm. second baseman, Nolan Gorman. Okay. Batting fifth, the catcher, Wilson Contreras. Yep. Batting sixth in left field, Tyler O'Neill. Batting seventh, first baseman, Alec Burleson. Batting eighth in right field, Jordan Walker. And mm. batting ninth, the switch hitter, the shortstop, Tommy Edmond. Back, 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 back. Stay fair! I don't believe what I just saw. Home run. Okay, so, Marsh, can you please update us on those standings? Yeah. I want to hear it today. Anthony, you are gaining ground. I believe you had five. You won yesterday with Nolan Arnato. I'm sorry. Nolan Arnato hitting a home run. Uh, so you're now at six. You're right behind Jamie, who I believe is at seven. I'm still at two, which is still less than what Dan has, who's at three. Wow. Dan filling mm. in mm-hmm. every so often. Yeah. He's got himself three ding-dong Johnsons. Okay. Uh, in fairness to everybody, I did take Tyler O'Neill as my home run call. But that then one hurt. scratched. So to speak. So Yeah, so to speak. You got the, the tight left knee. Tight left knee. Uh, but it worked out because then I switched to Nolan Arenado, and he had a home run there in the first so that was that worked so Dan's beneficial for you certainly was okay Dan yeah who do you got I'm going Goldie been quiet in the second half he's uh, off his feet tonight you know maybe doing a little extra cage work because he's the designated hitter so I'm going uh, Goldie okay Marsh well I'm looking at the matchups Anthony and nobody and I mean nobody has any (laughs) numbers against this Jalen Beeks character Uh, but I'm gonna go with Nolan Arenado to hit a home run again tonight Mm. Down here mm. for the club, but he's uh, he's a gamer, man. He's there every night. He's a gamer. I'm going to go with my pick from yesterday. I'm going to go with Tyler O'Neill. Okay, I like now that, that too. That, now that that left knee is not tight, I'm going to go with Tyler O'Neill. Just lets it fly. He's going to let the it soreness fly. is out. Absolutely. Just let it rip. Yep. So there you have it. Dan has got Paul Goldschmidt. Marsh yep. took Nolan Arenado, and I took Tyler O'Neill for the home run derby. We got beat the streak coming up a little bit later on in the show. Why do you guys go, no? Well, they're okay, so that's a really good question. When our guy Brad Thompson was full time here, mm-hmm. uh, Brad liked to set up certain segments, right? Oh, like he yeah. would um, I remember that. Yeah, he'd like to set up some things. So yeah. he had told me in the office beforehand, he goes, I got these numbers and um <clears throat> you know, you guys guess something else, but then it's gonna be no the real answer is gonna be Nolan Arenado. And I told BT, I go, I will play along with this. I don't like setting anything up. I think it should you be organic. Live. Yeah, I think it should be organic. If you got some numbers of it, but but we'll do it live. Exactly, we'll do it live. But BT <laughs> wanted, you know, he wants everybody to be prepared and on sure. the same page and all that. So he says this to me. Well, Dan, once we got in the segment, all I remember was Nolan Arenado. So he starts going through and he goes, "Who do you think that is?" I go, "Nolan Arenado," and he got. Really upset with me. Did he really? He was ticked off that day. It's hard to yeah. get BT really upset, but when he does, it's He's uh, a maniac. It's something. Yeah, yeah. So that is why we do the Nolan Arenado thing, because he, uh, the only name he did not want me to mention that day was Nolan Arenado. And I, I mean, I came, I, I thought I was bringing the heat. Yeah. I thought I was bringing a lot of energy and excitement. He wanted that, just not 
Nolan Arnott. I got you now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. Well, every time I'm listening, so I don't miss usually any show that you guys have. Well, Dan, thank now you. Now I'll know the backstory. Yeah, that's what it is. And now everybody knows now. Everybody knows. Mm-hmm. I don't miss a show that you're on, Anthony. I'll tell you that right now. I was downloading your uh, football podcast, too. Oh, Gridiron Guys, thank you, Dan. Yeah, no problem. Dan, I uh, I frequent scoops with Danny Mac since we're just oh, you know, yeah. praising each other. Yeah, I, scoop, I, I often scoop with Danny Mac. That's so kind of you. Pretty much every day. Marsh, if you had a podcast, I'd listen. I actually used to, but I don't. So. What, what happened to it? Yeah, what happened to it, Marsh? Uh, Why'd you, you take know? it off the airwaves? Well, it wasn't on the airwaves to begin with, oh. but... Uh, was it just you pontificating? No, it, was, or? it was me and a few other buddies. We were talking about hmm. college hockey. Oh. College hockey podcast okay. i mean people maybe, will dive into that yeah no doubt about it maybe uh maybe i can get it back going again i think you should but there's so many college hockey teams around here you can mm-hmm. understand why they dive in yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> anyways um so one player uh has made an absolute instant impact in his sport we'll tell you who he is and why he's the greatest athlete known to man is he no, no, oh. not Izzy. Well, Jason Isringhouse. I love Izzy. Yeah, love Izzy's me some fantastic. Cardinal yeah, Hall but of no, this guy is uh, unbelievable as well. It's an accident one on one ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Uh, Lionel Messi, this guy, um, who knew it? He could play football. Did you know? I knew he was pretty good. I didn't know he was this good. Actually, I did know he was this good. Now I'm seeing it every day on my social media feed of something unique that he does, and it's like, holy cow, man, this guy's unbelievable. When you, like... I didn't watch him. I watched the World Cup. Yeah. So I saw him there, and he was just remarkable because I do enjoy the World Cup. Um, am I the biggest soccer fan? No. Yes. Oh. Am I watching City? Yes. And then I thought, man, if this guy comes here like against those players, and it's no disrespect to MLS, mm-hmm. but it's it's like night and day. Like, what's he going to do? And then you see it. Like, yeah. every day I'm getting a, a new thing on my feed. I'm like, this guy's unbelievable. He is awesome to watch. It is fun to watch him. Yeah, the, no question. Um, Marsh, can you turn off the mics for a second? I got uh, I got to be vulnerable and ask Dan a question here. Yeah, yeah. What do you got, buddy? Right. Come um, on, mics are going off. Mics are three. Put your head on my shoulder. What do you got, one, babe? Mics are off, Anthony. All right, Dan. I don't want to bring these to. The, I don't want to bring this to the airwaves. But I get uh, it. Is is it a situation where you know, like Messi's really good? I yeah. get that aspect. Yeah, you of get it. that. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but also uh, our. American soccer is Don't not. You dare turn the microphone back not on. The best. You watch yourself. You watch it. Is it watch it. Is it kind of like that? Though? Well, it's kind of a little bit like that. It's just like that he's dominating faces well, that I, he should be dominating. Let's look at it this way: the MLS is not quite of the level of soccer that maybe he's played for the, the better part of his career. Yeah. Put it that way: is he a man among boys? Sure, you could say that. <laughs> Is he like the high school senior against some fifth graders? Yeah, yeah it might okay. be. You could you could equate it that way. Fair enough. The dude is awesome. Yeah, 
He is. And, I, and here's the no thing. No question. And, get, and other guys are trying. You know, they're trying. They're to trying. They're slow on. Them. As I like to say, they're on. Hey, they own scholarship too. Yeah, but not his scholarship. They're wearing. They're wearing boots just like he is. You know, the dude is unbelievable. And when he comes through St. Louis, I can't wait to watch him. It was unfortunate he got signed. And he started training with Miami, and it just kind of we just missed the cutoff of him making yeah. his debut. That would have been awesome. I would have, I would have really enjoyed to see that. Is there a is there a way that we can uh, develop like an American style of soccer? I think we've been trying for like forty or fifty years Fair. to do this. Okay. Yeah, get, cut the mics again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me. Uh, I never turned them back on. Oh, oh boy, okay, people good. are going to be confusing. Yeah. A lot of that right. the conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like BT um, when he wasn't popping up on YouTube, right? On yeah. Monday. Okay. Well, just leave them off then, uh, Dan. Yeah. You and I could just have a personal conversation. No question. Uh, okay. So I understand that aspect of it, but I feel like um, we have been trying to maybe develop a style that is similar to uh, like the German style or similar to, you know, uh, that's why you bring in the European whatever. coaches. Okay, but why can't we develop our own style? Where and then this is what I'm thinking. Just hear me out. Okay, like Messi and I've brought this up before on these airwaves. Like Messi comes in, okay, and he thinks he's just going to dominate faces like he is. Uh, but we here in America, we play a more physical brand of soccer. Okay, so he comes in and he's like, I'm going to dominate faces, and then before you know it. We are taking this guy behind the woodshed constantly. Like, we are just physically roughing this, you know what, up. You know, and he's like, I want out. This isn't soccer. This is like rugby or football. These Americans are psychopaths, Mm -hmm. you know? And then he's like, I'm out of here. No, thank you. That's what you wanted. That's what I want. Why why wouldn't you want him to stay here and not be uh, afflicted with some type of injury from Johnny Tough Guy? Oh, uh, well, okay, so you're you're twisting what I'm oh, saying. Oh, I am not, sir. What I'm saying is, why can't we develop our own American-style football where we are Just basically a, people? Uh, yeah, like it's, we're the mob. It's a, rug, it's a rugby match? Yeah. You put hits on guys? Basically. We, we, we actually do have that, and it's called the NFL. <laughs> That's not, Dan, <laughs> it's not true, okay? No, it really is. There's bounties on guys. There was! There's they cheap they hits. caught those guys. Greg oh, Williams sure. paid the price. Sean Payton was out a full year. He had to make a Disney movie out of it. Yeah. You know, or Netflix or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what sure. I'm saying is, okay, so Messi, I agree. He's been outstanding. He's been filthy good. But we're competitive, right? So why can't we... Here, here, honestly, is there a way to do it? I guess is, is what I'm saying. What I don't understand is that we have so many people in this country... And so many people that love soccer. Yeah. You know, I'm being dead serious now. I'm just, I'm trying to figure it out. Why? And they started such a young age. Yeah. Why are we not up to the level of these other countries? Now, I'm sure you could get into a, a, there'd be a diatribe of, of, examples of that people could give you you know there'd be tons of them that they'd say well the coaching isn't this at the youth level you play the wrong system the level of competition isn't what Messi had when he was coming up I think those are all factors but you would think you'd find 10 or 11 diamonds in the rough that can wear the American uniform and say we can compete with anybody in the world now I don't think they're that far away if you look at the last World Cup it was a different group of guys for the most part they were better but why are we not dominating I I not, just I don't know I don't I mean, get not it. Even, I mean competing. I think they're at the men. The men's. I know the women's just suffered their loss. But I so think the they women's do. Have been great. I think they did last time. Now are they the level though of these teams that go to 
um, the finals of, of the World Cup? No, I don't think they are. I, I just I can't put my finger on it. Now, if we had Taylor Twelman on here, he'd give you a, a whole list of reasons as to why mm-hmm. you know there's issues with youth soccer in the United States. And I guarantee on the text line, we're going to have a lot of parents that chime in and say, sure. I'll tell you why. I had Johnny go through, mm-hmm. played this system, went to college, couldn't get to that next level, whatever. But I do find it really interesting is like we have this many people in the country. We can't find 10 or 11 that are just elite. We have some of the greatest athletes known exactly. to man on, the, on this soil. Yes. Like what? Oh, I don't get it. Do they? And it's I? not. Well, here's the other thing. It's not like, you know, hockey's expensive as a little kid. Yes. Soccer, soccer you roll out a ball. Right. Go play. Or what we say, do we need me to develop the American style so of your, soccer? So your development <clears throat> would be some type of steroid regimen? No, 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 no. No, I'm talking about legal, within the rules of the game, a style, Doping. a philosophy. No, Dan, come on. You want the elite? You're, you're talking about doping? No. Steroid use? Um Little Johnny you is, know. you know, I, I, thought I think I that's could, where you... I thought I could be vulnerable and talk to you about no, this, Dan, but clearly be. I cannot be. Do you guys I... want me to turn the mics back on? Yeah, please oh, sure. turn the okay. mics back on. Mics are back. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah. yeah. 101 ESPN. Oh, my. Breaking news alert. According to Derek Gould, Tyler O'Neill has been scratched. <laughs> Awaiting word, he's expressed concern about how knee has responded to the turf. We're going to talk about Tyler O'Neill and how you should trade him in the offseason. And we've got Bud Bash tickets to give away next on 101 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. your chance right now to win a four-pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash for Cardinals versus A's. It is a Gary Gaetti bobblehead night for this Budweiser Bash. It's a limited edition bobblehead, of course, and you can text in right now if, if you have the correct answer to the trivia question we're about to throw out. It's a 314-399-9646. That is the Air Comfort Service text line. And to win the Bud Bash tickets, you got to have the right answer, and you're also going to be the 101st Texter. So, here's your question today. Gary Gaetti, he played collegiate baseball for Lakeland College in Mattoon, Illinois. And which other university? Which other university did Gary Gaetti play college college uh, baseball for? Lakeland College in Mattoon, Illinois. That's one of them. What's the other one? If you have the correct answer and you are the 101st texter to 314-399-9646, you will win Budweiser Bash tickets for Cardinals versus A's for next Tuesday night. So there you have it. We'll tell you who the winner was uh, in a segment or two. Tyler O'Neill scratched again. Back-to-back days, he has been scratched due to a, a knee injury. Yesterday was the tight knee. Today, apparently, not progressing well enough. He was in the lineup. Now he's out. 
scratched again. So here's your here's your new lineup. Newpar is still leading off. Goldschmidt is second. Arnado third. Gorman is your cleanup hitter. Contreras fifth. That's all state. That all stays the same. Tyler O'Neill was hitting six. Now it's Jordan Walker, followed by Alec Burleson. Carlson is back in the lineup now after originally not being in the lineup, and Tommy Edmond is still hitting ninth for you. Carl Carlson. Carl Carlson. Carl Carlson. That's correct. So Dylan Carlson. Is <laughs> I want to get lineup. into that one and it still put a little chuckle in me and mm-hmm. a little smile on my face, Good. but I'm I'm disappointed with uh, Tyler O'Neill, man. T Bone. Yeah. My fingers hurt. Oh, well, now your back's going to hurt hurt. because you just pull landscaping duty. See, now it made me laugh again. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed to happen with somebody's injury. Uh, You know what? I'm not that kind of guy. No, you're not. Not Not at all. Not one bit. I don't want to revel in someone's sore knee. No. I don't want to do that. That's not you. No. That's not who you are. No, sir. Wilson Contreras, please. That's my my new home run call. Okay, yeah, you got to go with, yeah, yeah, that's a good call. And if it he, helped yesterday. It did. You're damn right it did. Went to Arenado, and you got, uh, yeah. you got on the board. Hey, Dan, they got to trade O'Neal in the offseason, right? I mean, you got to stop with this nonsense. No? I, it's so interesting. I mean, they've got uh, uh, outfielders coming out, you know, with Newpar. You could put Tommy Edmond out there. You got Brendan Donovan out there. You got Jordan Walker trying to learn on the job. And now you got Tyler O'Neill. You know, one of the things, though, if you're going to trade him, he's got to be healthy. Like he's got to show that he can yeah. stay healthy down the stretch, and I look at it two different ways. If I'm the Cardinals, or really anybody out there, I'm enamored with what he potentially, and that's the big word, potentially brings me, mm-hmm. which is speed, two Gold Gloves, uh, finishing the top ten or five for MVP a few years ago, and could be a threat in my lineup. The flip side is he doesn't play, so. Which is a problem. I don't know if you've seen well, here's the thing. baseball teams where their, their players don't play. He's a free agent after next year. Yes. So you're going to get a highly motivated individual player. You could try to trade him in the offseason where his value probably isn't great because well, it could be. You know, teams will take a flyer on him and say, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm willing to do that. He played the majority of the, the two months down the stretch. The other thing is you, you do it like you did this year. You say, we're going to ride it out with him until – that's done, and at the trade deadline, adios. One way or another. But I, you'd be really, really hard-pressed to go out and say, let's give him a three-year extension. Let's give him a four-year. Oh, no. There's no Wait, way you on. could do that. No, no. He, can't, he can't stay on the field. Exactly, Dan. No, you know what? I actually take back what I said, and I, I take back the snark specifically, but I take back what I said. I am not trading Tyler O'Neill because you're right. His value isn't going to be good enough. Not right now. Not in the offseason. Even if he gets on a tear, it's still it's still not going to be good enough. So unless some team, some GM, some president of baseball operations decides to, you know, it, I don't know, he he become he he becomes dumb for a day and he calls you and says, "Hey, I'm going to give you a decent prospect for this for for Tyler O'Neill." Unless that happens, I'm going to keep him and then I'm going to play him consistently in the first half next year. And one of three things is going to happen: he either gets hot and his value goes through the roof, and then I'm trading him. He either get, he gets hot, his value is still lukewarm, and I decide if I'm competing, I'm going to just keep him, and whatever happens, happens. Or three, he's going to get hurt, and I'm done with him at the end of the year anyways. Well, I would not be, if you still have him, there's some value to him because you don't know what you're going to get, right? If he's right. healthy and he comes back, all of a sudden, you got yourself a pretty good outfielder. Yeah. If he's injured, the value is less than 
zero probably. I mean, it, it's he's got to show that he can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And if he can't stay on the field, no one's going to want him. Right. Um, and his value at this point is that he's missed the better part of the season, missed a ton last year. So his value, to your point, is right. His value is low right now. Mm-hmm. I would have to anticipate. Now, I'm not in those rooms, but I would think it is. Now, it does take one to, to tango, right? It takes one team to say, I'm willing to take a flyer on this guy. He's going into his walk year. He's going to be highly motivated to play. He's going to play through sore knees, bad backs, those kind of things, because he's going to want to get paid. That's something that I always keep in mind in any sport or any individual in sports that I watch. Where is he in his contract, and is he close to his walk year? And if he's in his walk year, I'll take a flyer on him Mm -hmm. because he's going to be highly motivated. It's human nature. I don't care if you're talking football, basketball, baseball, soccer. You give me somebody that's going to be a free agent, I guarantee you're going to find a guy that's going to give you a lot. Yeah, true. Unless he's severely injured, he's going to play. Yeah. I mean, right. he'll play. I bet he plays a ton next year. I guarantee it. Unless he's got a back issue that allows him not to swing the bat, yeah. he will be in that lineup. All right, 315, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Dan McLaughlin and Anthony Stoltz. We're going to play Are You Sold next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's play Are You Sold here in the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Dan I'm sold on you, Anthony. I'm sold on you, Dan. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. You too, Marshy. Marshy, well, I appreciate that. We're sold Just on you. Just a hell of a job. Wow. We're sold on these questions that you dug up for us. Go ahead. Let's start it off. We talked a little bit about it earlier in the show. Miles Michaelis, who was taken out of the game yesterday uh, at 80 pitches in the eighth inning. Are you sold on that decision being only on Ollie Marmel? No. No. Not sold on that at all. I think it's probably a collective effort of the pitching coach, Ali, and the information that was collected by others before the game analytically. I would say it's not just on him. Now, does ultimately he have to go out and take the ball? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do I think it's probably a group decision? Absolutely. I think as a leader, as a leader, you're responsible. You know, it stops with you. You take the heat. You take the heat. Absolutely. And the player gets the praise. That's just how it works when it comes to managing or coaching but dan you're absolutely right no this is a collective a collective decision yeah i would also pin it on the front office this this is your philosophy your philosophy and that's what i meant by others that are collecting the data and the everything data and the right. info yeah. the, everybody in the front office yeah this is not just if, if you're just blaming ollie like the decision is ultimately ollie's okay there there does have to be a leader and mm-hmm. we can blame ollie wrong decision but behind the scenes you're absolutely right dan it's a collective decision yeah that's where i'm at with that too Love your hat, Marshy. That's an old Thank school you. Scottsdale PGA hat. Just had to throw it out there. I Questions appreciate you, that. It is one of my favorite hats to wear Marshy's, for sure. Uh, vintage. I like to think so. The old rope hat. I think it's coming back in style now. I'm sold on uh, your hat. Dan, you, your compliments, they, they're making me blush. Uh, are you sold on the Washington Commanders coaching staff? I don't know if you saw the comments made by Ron Rivera. Or yeah. He was answering some questions about Eric Bieniemy. It seems like the players don't like the way that Bieniemy goes about his business as their new offensive coordinator. We might be getting a 
a little bit of a a, a, a peek into maybe how Eric Bieniemy has interviewed before, or maybe the That's reputation that Eric Bieniemy has. I mean, with that offense he ran in Kansas City, how does right. he not have a head coaching job at this point? We've kept that. We, we've that was that's been the question for years now. Well, if he sits that's down, a great point. if he sits down and he is. And I don't know what he is, but but if he's so intense to the point where maybe he's combative or, you know, he's got these viewpoints that just don't mesh with ownership, it's hard to get a job that way, right? Yeah. Now, maybe it worked in Kansas City because Andy Reid was there, and Andy Reid is uh, a genius, and he's somebody that's seemingly laid back. He's secure. He know, you know, he knows exactly who he is. He's a multi-Super Bowl winning, you know, coach. He's going to go down as one of the best ever. So maybe it's a little different with Reid, and you ain't barking at Mahomes. So no. Maybe, maybe, Kelsey. yeah, or Kelsey. So maybe this is why one of the reasons why Bienemy wasn't being viewed as a head coach. The other thing, though, is if you're Ron Rivera, you cannot say this. No, you're going to stand up for your guy. You've got to stand up for your guy. You cannot say that that you know. Oh, the players are this, that, and the other. You got to talk to Bienemy about it. This is you got to show. You got to show this guy support. I thought this was a huge misstep by Ron Rivera. I liked Eric Bieniemy in the thirty for thirty. I'm just saying. Was that the Colorado? Yeah, <laughs> was that, that was a good the, one too. Did he play for? He played on Colorado, that team. The, the Cordell Stewart. Yeah. Okay. Or was it Cordell? No, he played with. Um, I think he was before then. Sal, young young man QB that passed away. Um, oh, that geez. was the. Uh, the five-down game against Mizzou. Yes, okay. I believe Eric Bieniemy was on that team. I think so. If he wasn't, then I got the wrong Bieniemy. No, no. That's, that's, I, yeah. I, 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 I highly doubt that. Cordell Stewart is is the that Colorado team went into Michigan. The awesome. Hail Mary. The sixty-yarder. Yep. That Pretty game good. Was unreal. I, I think it's it is fascinating though. If you're the head coach, ultimately, who's going to win you the games? The guys between the white lines. Yes. But I brought you in, and you're my guy, Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't double-cross, double, double cross, not the right word. I, I've got to protect you, but i yes. I got to protect you to a point. Yeah. Because if the guys that are with the helmets and the pads on aren't buying into you and I'm the leader, then mm-hmm. i gotta, I got to look to you then. Yeah. Eric Bieniemy and say, dude, it ain't working. Mm-hmm. Or you got to change this, or you got to go talk to him or them and change your philosophy on how you approach them because yeah. I, we got to have them buy in. And if they don't buy in, we ain't winning. That means we all get fired. I do wonder if Ron Rivera's feeling the heat. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think he should be. Everybody's talking about like Bill, Bill Belichick. Oh, Bill mm-hmm. Belichick, you know, get the hot seat, all that. What about yeah. Ron Rivera? What, does he do? what, what has he done? Not only in Washington, but he had the one good year in Carolina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have new ownership, too. Maybe they want a fresh start with a, a new coach with point. that whole yeah. situation going on. No doubt. My opinion on the matter, I feel like some of these players need to stop being so soft, though. Like, obviously, you should look and see this guy just came from a Super Bowl winning culture. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned him maybe not yelling at Mahomes. They've gotten into some heated discussions on the sidelines, and that's been well documented. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if he had that attitude towards all those guys. And I think that somewhat pushed them into being the great team that they are is because they do show up every day. They do want to get better yeah, every day. And point. it's not like he's berating these guys. He's just yelling at them mm-hmm. in a sense like, hey, like, do you want to get better or do you want to be the Washington Commanders that – Here's the thing, though. What he's seen, you know, Marshy. Here's the thing, and I, I'm with you. I mean, if you're 
a position coach or a coach period or the head coach, you should be able to command the respect. The money, though, has changed everything. For sure. When you when you have a player making $25 million and you're going to you know, jump him a little bit and say, hey, you need to be doing this, that, and the other, he's going to look at you and go, really? Right. If, if you don't handle it yeah. properly with kid gloves, mm-hmm. right or wrong, that's just the way it's handled now. I've seen it. I know how it works. You've got to be you got to be kind of towing both lines. That's what happened to Nick Saban in Miami. Yep. Mm-hmm. As soon as he started bat- barking at Zach Tom, uh, do you remember? Do you remember middle middle linebacker Zach Zach Thomas? Yeah, I think he just went into the Hall of Fame. Yes, he played. He played alongside. Um, who's the defensive end there? Uh, Jason Jason, uh, Taylor? Jason Taylor. Jason Thank Taylor. You. Nick Saban was barking at Zach Thomas. In, in practice one time, and Thomas looked at him and goes, go blank yourself. Mm-hmm. I make more money than you. Like, this is this yeah. is the paid league. So I don't know if it's <clears throat> a situation where you got to baby them, but I do think there's a respect factor there. Yeah. You know? I, I always felt that that was one of the great qualities that no one ever talked about with Tony La Russa. You had guys making a lot of money, and you had veterans. A lot of his teams are veteran-laden, and there was a fear factor with him. Now... Was it like over the top fear factor? Like, oh my God, here he, no, it was just, okay, I respect what yeah. he's doing. Uh, I'll look myself in the mirror. Maybe there's something I got to do. The open door policy, if you didn't like what something he was doing, you go to him. Mm-hmm. But he always had the command of the room Yeah, from, from what I could see. And I wasn't in the room, but I talked to guys that were, and they all came back and said he commands a room. He commands respect. Sure. That's hard to do that at this day and age. Very cool. Now, part of it was his resume, and he had been around forever. Mm-hmm. But you would think with the enemy, part of it would be his resume, too, and the fact that he's coaching and has coached one of the great offenses in recent NFL history. Mm-hmm. So maybe this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's so, the money man changes everything. Yeah. You got to be so careful with it. Mike Tomlin's a perfect example, too, of what you're talking about. Mike yes. Tomlin, like Mike, Mike Tomlin commands, com- commands respect. I was doing a NFL game. It was the Rams against the Vikings. I was doing play by play with Tony Baselli nice. as, as uh, it was on Fox. And, Mike Tomlin was the defensive coordinator with Minnesota. Yeah. And I walked into that room and sat down. We met with a couple head coaches, and then he walked in. And Baselli and I, after he left, we go, that dude has got it. I don't know what it is, but he's got it. Yeah. It, it was like he was awesome. I got goosebumps thinking about it. Just talking. We talked to him, man, for an hour. Yeah. And probably half of it was about football, and the rest was just about life, life. and you know what he looks at for the league, and he was just—he was a fascinating character, and I—I I love that he's having success. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it was cool. Great success, no doubt. All right, it's a fascinating on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Let's stick with the football theme here. You sat down with a couple of legends recently. I did yesterday. Yesterday, Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce, a couple of guys that at one point did some things here in St. Louis. Dan, I don't know if you're aware. Hey, they were pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Begs a couple of questions we were thinking about. We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. At the 27-yard line, Warner to throw. Going deep downfield, adjusting for it is Isaac Bruce. And Isaac Bruce threads his way for a touchdown. 73 yards. I always say that, you know, that my, my dreams are bigger than my memories, but my memories are still there. 
I mean, when you're when you're driving down 70 or when you're on 270, 170, uh, yeah, you headed towards downtown. I mean, some of those same memories start coming up about you know driving down on uh, Sunday morning, getting ready to play a game, and uh, sometimes just being downtown, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you see the actual dome where a lot of great memories, great plays actually yeah. happen in that building. So. Um, you know, Memphis and Missouri will be playing in that dome here coming real soon. So I have a chance to be back in that dome and, uh, and see some football. But, yeah, the memories are still there. Uh, they're fun memories. Uh, do we move on? Yeah, we have to. But at the same time, I think we still have those memories of, of the great games that were played in there. Warner, back to throw, under pressure, throws the end zone, touchdown Rams, Torrey Holt! And the rookie, Torrey Holt, made the catch. I'm standing at the risk cards for this event, and... They gave me a room that I have the, the view of downtown. So I see the arch in the, in the city and it takes, takes me back. I just, it's like, wow, that's, I remember that. remember being downtown, riding downtown, getting ready to go to the stadium and the tailgating and the fans and, and the arch and, you know, people back home in my, back in North Carolina that had never been to St. Louis, you know, seeing the arch and seeing everything. It just takes back, brings back. So many great memories, and I remember that dome really rocking, man. The fans were bobbing and weaving. I mean, they were they were they were uh, they were ultra excited about what we were doing. But we we generated that excitement by the Absolutely. way that we played, um, and by the and by and, and how excited we were for each other having success. I think that spilled over certainly into the fans. So you heard a couple of different voices there, and uh, our thanks to Dan McLaughlin, who's filling in for Jamie Rivers today. Danny Mack produced that audio that you heard coming in. Al Michaels, of course, on the on the call. First voice you heard was Isaac Bruce. Uh, last voice you heard, and the second voice you heard there was Tori Holtz. You heard Dan talking about because Dan did the interview. Oh, with yeah. Two of the most impactful athletes here in St. Louis, Isaac Bruce, Tori Holt, and, of course, uh, of the Rams and the greatest show on turf. So they were part of the uh, Ascension Charity Classic yesterday. I emceed it. It was their Legends Breakfast, kind of the kickoff to um, the golf tournament, which is about a month away. But when I was doing the interview, I seriously thought of you the whole time because you would know this answer better than I would. You love football. I, I know it's been talked about at times. I can't remember, though, a combination like that. And I can't remember if there's been an offense or will be an offense that is like what we saw back then. I guess the Chiefs are a little bit like that mm-hmm. to an extent. When you have Kelsey, uh, they've had others that have filled in that have been good on, on the outside. Yeah. But Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. But I, I just don't think they got now when Holt goes in, that'll be five St. Louis Rams on the offensive side of the football that go mm-hmm. into Canton. And he's been up, I think, four times. Yeah, He's going in. It's just a matter of getting in now. I, I just I don't think there's a team or an era that it will ever see that again with that style of football. Yeah, they they really they did they were they did something that in that because let, let's remember here let's go back to that era of football. So you're coming you're coming off the '90s. You're coming off of really run heavy offenses. There was only one offense that kind of rivaled what what the greatest show on turf did before that run they, and shoot they did it they did it in a different way it was actually the vikings in 98 okay. so the minnesota vikings in 98 so you had chris carter chris carter you had my man randy moss <laughs> who was in his rookie year just show me the money baby that's right <laughs> and then you had uh randall cunningham randall yep. cunningham a veteran at that point had been around a little bit but they attacked teams vertically yep 
The Rams did it in a variety of ways. The greatest show on turf. I mean, they they could really stretch you horizontally. They could stretch you vertically. So they could stretch you, you know, horizontally or vertically with either Holt or um, uh, or Isaac Bruce. But I thought the key to that entire Marshall. offense was Marshall Falk. Yeah, absolutely. Marshall Falk was the the guy that I I would believe that most defensive coordinators were worried about each and every game because you had so much attention paid to the outside guys. And even if you had a good secondary, did you have a linebacker or a safety or a nickelback that could line up with Marshall Falk? And the answer was no. no. Yeah. So I think that I think Marshall was the key to that offense, but it, it almost minimizes what the what Mike Martz's concept was, which is that again, they they could stretch a defense either way. Randall Cunningham and the Vikings in '98. I mean, they were going to they were going to go deep constantly, and they were going to constantly stretch you that way, and then maybe mix in Robert Smith, the running back. But the greatest show on turf did it did it in in multiple ways. I, I thought this was great. Uh, Martin Kilcoin did the Q and A with those two guys um, during the event, and he said, "Isaac, what what was your favorite game? Your favorite moment?" And you heard the the touchdown catch in the Super Bowl. It could have been, I think he had four TDs against the 49ers that year in one game when they finally beat the 49ers. Um, He had the great first playoff game against Minnesota where Mm -hmm. he makes the catch and looks on the video board and sees himself. He said that turned into a habit, actually, that he would do that, catch the ball. He did it in the Super Bowl and then look at the video board to see See himself. Yeah, and see if anybody's behind him, right? Yeah. He said, though, his favorite moment or the most proud that he is, he said that, he had a game in which he caught either one or two passes, <clears throat> and they weren't touchdowns or anything. They were not meaningless, but nothing big. Mm-hmm. And he had like 13 or 14 hits downfield, and he got the game ball from Mike Martz. So he finished blocks and then wiped out a couple of guys. And there's Isaac Bruce in the Hall of Fame, one of the best wide receivers ever, saying my favorite moment is getting the game ball because of my blocking. Yeah, he's you know what I mean, like he's, little he's, things he's that they great, did. He's a, he's a great athlete, great competitor, great dude, like yeah. just a great man. I lo- I also loved. So Tory was asked about it too, and he said, "Well, he said I'd have to say, and he said we were clowning on people. That's how he said we were yeah. clowning on people." And he said, but that Monday night game after the Super Bowl, and he and Oz Akeem are running down the sideline against the Broncos, Mm -hmm. and you can see them facing each other together, running for 40, (laughs) 50 yards, and laughing. You can see them laughing about it. And then they did Bob and Weave and all that other stuff. But it was great to have him back in town, and it just made me think of – because I'm I'm slowly coming back a little bit to the NFL and watching. I I, I think for a lot of fans like myself, I was hurt that they left. I, I loved having the NFL in town. But I love that era. I mean, I didn't miss a game. I was a season ticket holder, the Super Bowl year, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It was it was fun to be a part of. But I did. I thought about you. That whole, I was like, man, are we ever going to see anything like this? And I know it's been talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. But seeing those guys, they both look like they can still play, by the way. Yeah. But seeing those two guys, I'm like, man, Marshall, Orlando, Kurt, these two guys – and not to be overlooked, Trent Green was incredible. Yeah, uh, that that training camp. That's the other thing they said. If if he doesn't get hurt, he said we're talking about Trent Green. He yeah. said the ball never hit the ground in training camp. Mm-hmm. He said, and he goes, uh, he, he looked at everybody. Tory did. He said, no, 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 I'm telling you, the ball never hit the ground. Trent Green was as locked in as anybody. So they had some studs, man, on that yeah. team, and it just made football so much fun in this town. It, it transformed how the how other teams built their rosters. So when you when you throw out there like, you know, hey, will we see it again? 
I think we have seen versions of it, but we'll never exactly. see that again. Because now, do you like, think it's because personnel, or yeah. because you think they've been able to adjust to the what game, they were doing? Well, the game has changed. changed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so a couple of things here. So, like the 2013 Denver Broncos, when Peyton Manning first got to Denver, the way that they attacked defenses was similar in the in the fact of like he Peyton was so good pre snap that he could tell which which wide receiver on which matchup was probably going to break free but a lot of it was that short to intermediate he didn't have a lot of the deep stuff but they put up i think they put the most points up on a on on the scoreboard in a single game or in a single season excuse me in nfl history but this is in a passing era exactly you know it's more acceptable that that your quarterback's going to put the ball in the air 40 to 50 times a game back then it, it wasn't the other thing that happened was that the Rams were the, the greatest show on turf was ahead of times. When you think of defenses in the nineties, you think of big up front to slow the run, and your linebackers had to be big and they had to move really they didn't have to move vertically as much as they just had to they had, or horizontally as they had to go up and down, right? Like they had they had to attack the run. Linebackers now are not two fifty. No. You don't see London Fletcher now. You you see two fifteen because they also have to rush the passer and they also have to play in pass coverage. So Dan, I think the the, the big key here is that when the Tampa two was invented by Lovey Smith and um, the the Buccaneers, not not Lovey Smith, excuse me, um, Tony Dungy by Tony Dungy, thank you, and 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 the Buccaneers that eventually won the Super Bowl in two thousand two, the Tampa two was designed specifically to slow down the greatest show on turf. I have another question for you. And now that that system, while while teams still use it, is somewhat outdated. So a texter just brought this up, and I was it's funny we're on the same page here. The three one four. I started thinking of the Hall of Famers that are in currently for the Rams. Another one going in, and Tory Holt. Mm-hmm. And you look at the longevity of London Fletcher and yeah. how good of a player he is and was. Um, how good he was. He was great at times. Mm-hmm. Is he a Hall of Famer? Yes. He should I, be. I think he is too. His numbers are similar in a lot of regards to Ray Lewis. Yeah. He's to me, he's a Hall of Famer. And I mean longevity too at that position. Yes. Are you kidding me? Yes. At that position? Yeah. Now he may not be able to spell in twenty years, but his own <laughs> well, name, you know, but that's an unfortunate reality. <laughs> Isaac Bruce Isaac Bruce told a great story to um I had I I had a great pleasure of interviewing Isaac at at the time, it was Earth City when they had the practice facilities, sure. and he spoke to a lot of um, high school and I think peewee coaches. He came in. He's and, doing that again is he? in like two or three weeks. His okay. foundation and Tori's yes. foundation deals with cancer, but uh, Isaac does a lot of with the education and for underserved kids. So I had, like I said, I had the great pleasure of interviewing Isaac. This is probably, you know, I don't know, six, seven years ago. Uh, but he told a London Fletcher story in that, you know, when they first came in, they didn't. They didn't know who he was, and he. He. I mean, he was the talk of like the lunchroom though in yeah. training camp because of his intensity and the way he was hitting everybody. Not a huge guy. Not a huge guy. But everybody. But I to to, to hear Isaac talk about it, it was like, who the hell is this guy? Right. You know, wh- where did this dude come from? And he wound up being. You know, they didn't know, but he wound up being London Fletcher. It's just the intensity that he practiced with, really, is what kind of allowed him to make the team, but then he wound up be, that's who he was in games. Too. I, don't, I don't know if you remember this, but I do vividly. So I would cover the Rams every Sunday, and this is prior to me doing the, the baseball games, and I would bounce all over the place. I was doing blues hockey and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Sundays, oh, I'd go watch, and I'd, I'd be covering the games, and there's old Tony Banks going back, 
And I swear, I've never seen a quarterback not check off as much as he did. Mm -hmm. He didn't check off anywhere. (laughs) He just looked where 80 was. And it was going to 80 every time. You could have, Anthony, you could have said to the other receivers, don't even come on the field. Don't worry about it. We're going to, he's going to go to Isaac because he can't check down on anybody. Sure. It was unbelievable. And he would take a beating every Sunday, Isaac would. Mm-hmm. But he'd keep coming back, keep coming back. And then now he makes it to the Hall of Fame. So it was great having those two guys that's, back in. That's great. And where can we, can we listen to the entire interview? Yeah, this Sunday, uh, Golf with Jay Delsing. So it was done at a golf event. So we tied it into a golf segment. And uh, those two are on. And it's, it's really fun. It's a fascinating interview with what they're doing now. Look back to the Rams. Um, they're charitable efforts and golf with jay delsing is every i co-host it with jay every sunday yeah. eight to ten so i think That's people will look forward to that excellent i, I do too I, I can't uh i can't tell you how many interviews i've heard of those two guys but oh. i just soak up the information every single time yeah because absolutely great excellent oh, by job the way this is real quickly isaac apparently you know how they knock on the door when you're 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 at the hotel room and then when you're going into the hall of fame yeah. and then they knock. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah yeah he didn't answer his door right away did you know that no he said, "I didn't answer my door right away because they made me wait. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and make them wait <laughs> a little a bit." That's a competitor. That's that awesome. Is, that's a competitor in Isaac Bruce, and you can see it. He's such a good guy, and you. But you can tell there's there's certain oh, yeah. instances, and that's one of them. Yeah, where that competitive fire got comes a little out. edge to him. Yeah, you have to. It's fun. I like I like I like athletes that's got a little they, that have a little chip on their shoulder. Me too. And, uh, and so Isaac it makes him great, that, no doubt. Who's been the most transformative athlete in their sport? We're gonna talk about that next on One One ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So I chatted with Tiger. He knew a lot about the event. He knew a lot about Norwood. He knew Hogan won here. So if you ever want to question how much of a golf savant uh, Tiger is, he didn't know which major. He goes, Hogan won there, right? And I said, absolute 48 PGA. He said that the experience at Belle Reve in 2018 was the best ever he's had as a professional. And he said, when I turn 50, get my cart ready. And then later in the night, apropos of nothing, he said, where's my friend from St. Louis? He pointed at me and he said, when I turn 50, get my cart ready. He said, he calls it a buggy. And he go, and he, you know, and he's motivated because he wants to beat up on the same players. Two weeks later, I actually was in South Florida and I had a chance to play golf with Rory, which was amazing. And uh, he was at the dinner and he said, hey man, did you ever... Tiger committed to your event kind of publicly. Did you follow up with them? And I said, well, I don't really text Tiger, so (laughs) that's not something I can do. And he goes, I'll see him at JT's wedding. I'll remind him. Mm. All right, so that was Nick Ragone of Ascension. And you, Dan, you had interviewed Nick uh, for the event that we are just talking about with um, Isaac Bruce and uh, with Tori Holt. Holt. uh, So Nick Ragone talked about Tiger Woods and Dan, you had kind of pitched this idea, which I thought was really interesting. You said, "Who has been the most transformative athlete in their sport ever?" Or even if they said, "This guy is coming or gal coming to St. Louis," yeah, you would do anything you could to go buy that ticket to go sure. watch them play. So this isn't just a golf segment. This it, is yeah, more this about is... you know now. Tiger, if he goes on the Champions Tour, will tra- change that entire tour. I mean, mm-hmm. it'll be 10 deep to go watch him play. Right. He'll bring in sponsors. He'll bring in more money than they've ever seen. It'll be like the reincarnation of what he did for the PGA Tour. Yeah. But we talked about a player earlier that I would do just about anything to go watch him play. And I'm not that guy. I, I'm fine just staying home watching television. Mm-hmm. Great. They're here. I, I would like to see Messi play. 
if I could see Messi come through St. Louis, I would say, yeah, count yeah. me in. I, I would do that. It's one of those things where you say, yeah, I saw Tiger. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, yeah, I saw Tiger play, or yeah, I saw Messi play. I think, did you go see the Angels when they were here, Marsh? I did. I saw the game that Otani pitched. So that, that I think that's literally that's the, the definition from, of what we're talking about. I think that fits perfectly. That's I, the one from baseball I thought about. Yeah, Marsh can say, I saw, I saw Shohei Otani mm-hmm. pitch at Bush Stadium. Yeah. You know, that's, and I saw Dylan Carlson hit a home run off of Shohei Otani from the left side. That's one he'll remember for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Yeah, BK wants to trade him for basically nothing. Yeah, I saw that. So Yeah, yeah. he mentioned you in a tweet yeah. today. I, I saw that. that. The Clark yeah. Schmidt picked yeah, the he's one. He's been trying to hammer that home. <laughs> one pitch. He? One pitch from Clark Schmidt. He, you know, jams into my face. Whatever. I went and saw MJ in his prime. I saw MJ a couple of times at uh, and I sat the United Center. All the way up. I had no money and I <laughs> saved up whatever I had and, and went with a buddy of mine. We went to Chicago um, and, and saw. Not only MJ play, and he got off to a terrible start in the game. He was like one for five or one for six. And then he looked up at halftime, and he had like 32. I was about to say, what do you have, 40? Oh, he went off. You said one for six. I thought you were talking baseball. (laughs) (laughs) And not with the Birmingham Barons. (laughs) Um, That's great. And then in the same game, Rodman got ejected and took his jersey off. So I got the full compliment of what the Bulls were like that. But he would have been one. I think I'd pay to go see LeBron just to say I saw him play. He's the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Sure. Hopefully you know, he plays. I, <laughs> I saw Gretzky in his prime when he was with the Edmonton Oilers, and then I saw him again when he was with the Blues. Mm-hmm. And that first night, I will never forget that night when he was with the St. Louis Blues. And then whatever it was, Keel Center, but Scott Trade now – they introduced him, and on they're they're playing the national anthem, and he's got tears rolling down his cheeks of that first game in St. Louis. And I've never, ever, and this includes when I was I went to Game Six of the Stanley Cup, and at least the beginning five minutes were really loud, and then they got blown out. I've never heard the place that loud than when Gretzky was there. No kidding, it was unbelievable that first game. It was Babe Ruth was in your uniform, yeah, and he's or your sweater, and he's playing in your house. That's cool. It was awesome, man. But these are some of the guys I would think about now. I don't yeah. know about now. I guess LeBron, Tiger, Shohei, Shohei would be one. The one name that jumps out to me is is Steph Curry. I think he's changed the entire game of of basketball. Yeah, yes. I mean, with the way you view, from yeah, you you view, you know, to even college, even collegiately, yeah, everybody's, even down everybody's to the AAU the, kids. Yeah, the you see kids shot. shooting shots from half court because sure. they want to be Steph Curry. That's a good yeah. point of like how people or kids, we should say, change. A game because there's a game changer in the professional ranks, but how they get off to a quicker shot, mm-hmm. how they maybe mm-hmm. move better to their right or their left, depending on how that particular athlete yeah. shoots off a dribble, how they dribble, you know, you you mimic what you see. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, how many kids grew up like Albert Pujols, glaring at the you know mm-hmm. at the opposing pitcher and kind of Squ- just almost a squatting. Yeah, oh, I had the full batting stance, even though I was a lefty. I had the Albert Pujols batting stance with the wiffle ball bat. Yeah, anytime I'd play out in the backyard, it was always Albert. I guess McDavid would be the guy in hockey now. I mean, McDavid yeah. is he's unbelievable to watch, yeah, but I'm he's not to... that big name though. I mean, he's a big name. Don't get me wrong, yeah, but right. he's not. There are a lot of not a lot. There's, There's a, a few players that not necessarily have the exact same skill set. But are still putting up numbers as yeah. well. But like, I don't know. Could Connor Bedard be that dude? Could Victor? I want to go see him play. Be that dude for the NBA. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I do. I want to see, see Bedard play. play. For sure. Yeah. Was there, is I, I don't know if there's a football player now with that. 
I mean, Pat Mahomes, he's throwing no-look passes, but Aaron Rodgers does that. Yeah, I'd like to see Mahomes. I have not seen him in person. I, I think that would be pretty cool to watch him play, and that's not too hard to get to. Just go across the state and yeah, sure. get yourself a ticket and bundle um, up. I know that uh, I've shared I've shared this before. You know, people people know that, that you know people kind of give me an eye roll here, but I understand. Um, back when I lived in Detroit and I was covering the various Detroit teams, the Falcons came to town and it was Vic. And oh yeah! At the end of every Lions game, to get ready to go into the press conference, we would get into the locker room. We would have an opportunity to go down to the field for the final two minutes. And then into the locker room, and you watch Vic on TV, and you're like, "Man, this guy, you know, he's fast, and he's mm-hmm. got an arm, and all that." When when you're down on the field and watching Vic at that time, the velocity in which he the ball came out of his hand, just a flick of the wrist, the velocity in which the ball came out it. was. Un, yeah. was like nothing I had ever seen before. I imagine Marino was the same way, Favre maybe the same way, but Vic was not a big guy. You yeah. know, Vic's my size. He's six foot. You know, it's not talking about somebody six four. You know, somebody that had been constantly throwing since they were you know two years old, Manning style. Vic was six foot. Obviously, he's got he was he was electric with it, but his arm just a cannon. It was unbelievable to see yep. that ball come out of his hands. I don't know how anybody caught it, quite frankly. Oh, if anybody saw the hands of Tory Holt yesterday, you you get the impression sure. of why it's so tough to catch a football. His his fingers looked mangled. Yeah, felt bad for him. I mean, they're beat up. Yeah, they're going different directions. A lot of literally, and a lot of receivers are uh, are like that. I would say. Um, I was thinking of, of other guys. I mean, I Deion Sanders, Bo Jackson, Deion, yeah. Bo, Brett Favre. Yes. The text line said Deion Jackson just changed yeah. the game of football at the cornerback position. Dude, Deion. Like early '90s Dion, oh. or even mid '90s when he played the year for the Niners. I was going to say and, the and, Niners and the Cowboys. Year. Yep. Holy smokes! I mean, he would shut down an entire side of the field. Barry and Sanders would be Barry another one. Sa- I had a chance to see Barry That's Sanders. Why I at, it up. At, in Pontiac. Yep. Yeah. Remember the Silverdome? Oh, Pontiac yeah. Silverdome. I, I went there one time. Isn't that still I saw Barry? Still there? I think they tore it down. Did they end up tearing maybe, it down? Maybe not. The Tiger Stadium stayed okay. Maybe that's the one I'm upright thinking of. for a while. Did it? I'm not sure if it, I think they filmed 61 there with Billy oh, Crystal. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think it, the last time I was there, drove by it and it was still going. Now, I don't think anything anybody was like using it or anything. Yeah. I wasn't a minor league team or anything like that. But that was probably four or five years ago, and it was okay. still up. I still believe. Up. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. We have uh, we have the gauntlet coming up next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Four oh four time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. That's Marsh. I'm Dan. We do not have Anthony. He's well. Maybe he's in the in the bathroom. Oh, I don't know what he's comes. doing. Oh, he's got Doesn't his matter. full pantry of food hey that he makes fun of me. You know, for, I don't know. You inspired how to, me. 
I don't I know how to do that. this, Anthony, to bring us back from breaks, to go yes, into breaks. You do. You I mean, me? I mean, Dan nailed it with the with the Clarkson Jewelers time check. I used to do a show, if you remember, Marsh, from ten to eleven here I was on one hundred and one ESPN. I feel yeah. like everybody loves the loves doing the time check. I, I think so because it means you're closer to when you can go home. Oh, I. That's a shot oh, damn, directly wow. at you and Marsh. Holy smokes. And you've been so polite, so nice. So uh, I didn't mean it that great. way. I was just joking. Come uh, on. When we used to do the Rams pregame show down at the Dome, there was always one individual that came up to me damn near every time and said, hey, can?" and he was serious. He said, I, I enjoy your programming on 101. One request. And I said, okay, sure. It's always like, you know, talk more. Yeah, blues or talking more cards or talking whatever. Can we can we get more time checks? <laughs> <laughs> he was dead serious. You know, you can I'm go like, to the internet and find out. Yeah. You know, and set your clock or your watch, and usually it's done anyway. For whatever reason, my man wanted more time checks. So, anyways, all right. Sorry, I get it's it. Gauntlet on one hundred and one ESPN. Uh, Nick is back for round two after beating Jamie yesterday in baseball. In fact, clean sheet. Mm. for Nick yesterday in baseball as he knocked off Jamie. So, Nick, first and foremost, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Doing great. Uh, Would you like to take on Andrew Marsh today or me? Uh, Let's do Marsh. Okay, Marsh is up next. So, Marsh, go ahead, spin that wheel and get the hell out of here. (laughs) And I do mean, uh, you know, I mean that nicely. Yeah, I I agree. It came from the heart. Yeah, it certainly did. Go ahead, Marsh. All right, here we go. We got the wheel Spin spinning. The wheel, please. Marsh is getting out of here. We got the we got the uh, launch codes, which are kept in secret, of course. And uh, we're looking at the wheel. Make sure Marsh is out. And <laughs> Nick, you said yeah. yesterday that you did not want random, and that you did that want baseball. Yeah. Well, today you got baseball again. Oh my. Oh. You got baseball again, so I'm giving Dan the launch codes you, there. Oh, sorry. There we go. Watch, got there's, a staple. there's a staple up there, Dan. So got it. Be careful. Okay, buddy, I don't Put want your glasses injured. on. I got lost last time I did this. I don't want you scratched like Tyler O'Neill, you know, because of the staple. Sore knee. Yeah. Sore right. knee. Nick, back. Nick, you were Yeah, back, knee, everything. Uh, Nick, you know how this works. You're going to get four questions, all baseball. Marsh is going to get the same four questions. Every question is worth two points unless you need the options. And then that question is worth one point. Are you ready? Yep, let's do it. All right. Question number one. How many World Series have the Marlins won since they came into Major League Baseball in 1993? How many World Series have the Marlins won since they came into Major League Baseball in 93? Two. Final answer. Two. Final answer. Okay. Question two. The last time the White Sox won the World Series, which team did they sweep? Astros, final answer. Okay. Mm-hmm. My right. goodness. My, my word. Well, they sure did. There yeah. was that Roy Oswald. Yeah, yeah the guy. outfield. Yeah, yeah we remember that. You ruined yeah. the uh, pool. So yeah. Off lunch. Yeah. In the month of July, Nick, the Cardinals recorded 138 runs, second most in Major League Baseball. Who finished first in runs scored in the month of July? Ooh, options, please. Yeah, that's kind of random, but uh, I like it nonetheless. Dodgers, Padres, Cubs. Dodgers, Padres, Cubs are your options. Let's go with the Dodgers. 
Final answer. Final uh, answer. Uh, no, actually, I'm going to switch cards. Final answer. Okay. Thanks. All right. Okay. You sure you don't have any help with you? I'm just checking. No, I'm just thinking of when the Cubs went on those 20, all those runs. I can't remember if it was August or July, but I'm going to go with uh, the Cubs. I would never accuse you of any kind of outside help in this game. Never. That doesn't happen. No. Nick's been locked in. Question four, please. Which pitcher in Major League Baseball has thrown two nine-inning shutouts this season? Which pitcher in baseball has thrown two nine-inning shutouts this season? I think I know it, but I'm not exactly sure. Can I get the options? Sure. You have Sandy Alcantara, also known as Sandy Alcantara, <laughs> Framber Valdez, or Shohei Otani. <laughs> he went the Alcantara route, huh? I was Sandy Alcantara, final answer. Final answer, All okay. All right, Sandy Alcantara. Okay. All right. I don't know if they can see me, but uh, we're going to welcome back Marsh. Nick, how you feeling? Feel good about the first two. The second two... Okay, I feel okay. 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 All right. All right. You All want right. Here comes uh, Marshy into the studio. You want a baseball? The wheel usually delivers uh, nothing but hell to those hey, that say they want something. living right. Yeah, you're living right is right. So, Nick, uh, Nick got baseball two times in a row. Marsh, Ooh, your okay. category today is baseball. Let's do it. Can Are I you- give Marshy a compliment here? Is it about his hat again? No, no. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. 618 says, since BT left the show, I've really enjoyed the what seems like even more marsh input and commentary does an awesome job bringing up topics to the show and added value comments to the uh, discussions well thank you wow that was one of the nicest compliments i think anybody's gotten and and the texture's absolutely right it just made my day yeah good so if you lose this you won't be upset well (laughs) well he is a competitive guy he is very yeah on top of bringing the uh the comments daily and doing this thing wearing my hats as well yes how did nick do Not bad. You better pack a lunch. All right. All right, Marsh, question one. How many World Series have the Marlins won since they came into Major League Baseball in 1993? They have won two, 1997 and 2003. They were both the wild card team in both of those years. Marsh, we asked how many times did they win? You don't need to act like you're so smart here, okay? Holy smokes. Two World Series. You give them one compliment, Dan, and this is what happens. (laughs) Zip it, Marsh. Two. Final answer. All right, final answer. Got that down. Okay, I read question two. Yes, sir. The last time the White Sox won the World Series, which team did they sweep? They swept the Houston Astros in 2005. Final answer? Final answer. Do you want more input on that? No, we just want Final out was to Juan Uribe wow. at shortstop. Juan Uribe. Jeff Blum at a <laughs> whatever. How many were Juan Uribe won a couple of World Series then, huh? He won with the White Sox, he won with the Giants. He hit the Mm -hmm. huge home run in the NLCS in 2010 against the Phillies that sent the Giants to the World Series. Did you? Yeah. In the month of July, the Cardinals recorded 138 runs, second most in Major League Baseball. Who finished first in runs scored in the month of July, Marsh? In July. All right. Um... Wow, I might need the options here. A couple teams that come to mind are the Braves, the Orioles, and the Texas Rangers come to mind as well. Um, I think Texas went on like a like a historic run or something. But I, I'm going to go with the Texas Rangers. Final answer. Okay. Okay. 
Question four, which pitcher in Major League Baseball has thrown two nine-inning shutouts this year? I'll repeat the question. Which pitcher in baseball has thrown two nine-inning shutouts this season? Two nine-inning shutouts. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, I remember there being a perfect game and a recent no-hitter. That no-hitter came from, who was it? Framber Valdez. He comes to mind. We're probably going to have to use the options on this one, though. Sandy Alcantara, Framber Valdez, Shohei Otani. Uh, wow. I don't think. Time limit, please. I'm going right, to go. I'm going to go with Framber. I know he's he at least has one. I think Otani has one, too, but I don't know if he has two this year. I'm going to go Framber Valdez, final answer. Final answer, okay. Framber Valdez. Nick versus Marsh. Let's go over these, Dan. We're going to go in order today. We're going to go in order, Dan. Understood now. All right. <laughs> because I've messed it up every time we do it. Just once. It's on me. But 100%. you know what? <laughs> I took the leadership role in that. I'm just going to let you know. We're I'm not right very bright. In order. No, and you're very bright. I fully admitted. <laughs> It's okay. Well, you know what? I think you're bright, but you fit well in this show no. if you're not. <laughs> All right, question number one. How many World Series have the Marlins won since they came into Major League Baseball in 1993? Nick, you said two. Marsh, you said two. Correct answer is two. That would be two. But both of you did not need the options. Nice job. So no, two, that's, two. That's two. really nice. The yeah. last time the White Sox won the World Series, which team did they sweep? Nick, you went with the Houston Astros. Marsh, you went with the Houston Astros. Correct answer is Houston Astros. But neither of you needed the options. So How about nice that? Job. Yeah, four-four tie between Marsh. My goodness. And Nick, and both of you guys. I mean, right away, boom, had the answer. Oh, for sure they did. In the month of July. The Cardinals recorded 138 runs, second most in Major League Baseball. Who finished first in runs scored in July? Marsh, you rattled off three teams. You settled in on the Texas Rangers, who were not an option. Wow. We know that because Nick took the options. <sighs> Nick mm -hmm. said the Dodgers. When we said final answer, he said, uh, no Cubs, final answer. Yeah, he switched it. He, he switched the old it. switcheroo before he said final answer, which by the bylaws is okay. So the answer is? Correct answer can is. Can I do it now? Absolutely. Thank you, Anthony. Yep. Cubbies. The Cubs. Wow. I didn't think about that. So Nick Good switched from the Dodgers to the Cubs. Nick has a one-point lead now over Marsh. It's going to hurt me. And an absolute barn burner. Which pitcher in Major League Baseball has thrown two nine-inning shutouts this season? You guys both took the options. Nick, you went with Sandy Alcantara. Marsh, a good one, yeah. you went with Framber Valdez. If it's Sandy Alcantara or the other option, which was Shohei Otani, Nick wins and he advances to take on me with a gauntlet trophy on the line tomorrow. If it's Framber Valdez, well, Marsh just forced a tiebreaker situation. We got to oh, walk off. Oh my! Oh, you want me to give the Mar answer? Uh, I'm Dan. Danny Mac. <laughs> Whoever you are, which pitcher in Major League Baseball has thrown two nine-inning shutouts this season? Framber Valdez. We got to walk off. Oh, walk my. it off. 
That's right, we got a walk-off today. 5-5 five, five between Nick and Marsh. This is how it's going to work. I feel like we haven't had a walk-off in a while. We no, haven't. we haven't. We have not. So, Nick, you're going to hold off on your answer. Marsh is going to write his answer down, and he's even going to show the camera to make sure everybody knows mm -hmm. how legit we are. Now you can't cheat anymore, can you? Dan, what the, what the hell? hell? What? We've been terrible with tiebreakers. So. I'm just saying, I mean, not that you yeah. ever did, but no. now it's just official. You can't it's official. cheat. Right. Yeah. And actually, sorry, uh, fellas. Keep, keep your keep your answer to yourself until we'll you know we'll reveal it maybe at the end. Okay. Just in case Nick is looking, you know. Well, it I is. Mean, I think there's a delay on YouTube. Hey, hey. Yeah, I'm in my car. We're good. Okay, we trust you. Here's here's your question, Marsh. You're gonna write down your answer first, then we'll go to Nick. And Nick, you 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 have a little bit of a delay here for you. So once we go to you, we're gonna need that answer relatively quickly. We're gonna go closest to the pin. Mm -hmm. Here's your question, Dan. You're on math duty. Okay. Before being traded this season, how many games did Jack Flaherty appear in for the Cardinals? Before being traded this season, how many games did Jack Flaherty appear in for the Cardinals? Nick, you're going to hold off on your answer until we go to you. Marsh is writing down his answer. He's going to show Dan and I. Marsh is thinking here. Come on, Marsh. Let's go with... Oh, he's taking a lot oh of time. Oh, my God, my marker's not working. Now he's got marker issues. Now he's blaming his issues on the marker. Here, here's a pen, man. I got it. Okay. Okay. Okay, that's all right. Just uh, show me at least. Mm -hmm. Okay, and Dan? Okay, yeah. got it? Got it. Nick, what's your answer? Uh, let's go 120. That's a lot of games. We're going games. Let's repeat the question. Yeah. Before being Before traded this season, this season, how many games oh. did Jack Flaherty appear in for the Cardinals? Yeah, this this season. This season. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go uh, 11. Okay. okay. All right. We've got our answer. We do have our answer. We have our winner. We have a winner. Dan? The answer is 20. Marsh went with 18. Marsh is the winner. Nick? You have chosen poorly. You lose! Not today! <laughs> Nick, I don't know if it threw you off. Were you thinking innings? Or were you thinking maybe game? Yeah, I was thinking career game. I was thinking okay. career game. So I was going 20th season. So if I just would have stuck with 20 for this season, I would have won. I was. I wondered if you were going to go back with 20. If and if you did, obviously you would have. You would have hit that uh, square in the nuts there. But Nick, sorry, buddy. That would have hurt. Mm, absolutely. I wasn't supposed to say who the winner was, was I? I was supposed to wait until you go, you lose, or whatever that <laughs> no, thing is. No, no, Well, they still hear it. It's kind of a double thing, you know? Okay. So, no, that's all good. Uh, Nick, great effort, man. Five. You lose. No, no shame there. You got three out of the four. Good job, Nick, though. You that were solid. That was a tough one. Yeah, that was a tough one. Uh, tough one to lose on. But we do appreciate you listening, and we do appreciate you playing. Have a good one. You too. Thanks, Thanks Nick. Nick. All right. Uh, nice shot, Marsh. Thank nice you. Effort, kid. Well done. I was doing the math in my ha in my hands. I don't know if you're on YouTube. You can see me. I was kind of counting out. We have April, May, June, July. Yeah, we get July. it. Then you did four or five starts per. Four then you took times, and then you came up with 18. Jeez, Got it. Dan. <laughs> I have a process here. I'm trying to explain to the people my process. I think Dan got the process immediately, <laughs> which was his point. All right, uh, Tyler O'Neill. I'm giving you trouble, Marsh. Tyler O'Neill is out of here. By the way, we got Jeremy Ruffin in 10 out. minutes. So we're going to do a very quick segment talking about uh, with Tyler O'Neill out. Okay, what's the, what's the deal now with Dylan Carlson here? Are we going to see an extended run for D.C., or is this guy banished forever? That's next on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Very quick segment. We're going to get to Jeremy Rutherford, and when we don't get to him on time, boy, JR gets steamed. Seems like a nice mm. guy, Dan, but. Um, I've seen it. He's nasty. He's got a, a rage to him. Yeah, you don't want that. No, no. So JR coming up pretty soon here. Talk a little blues hockey. You know that I've got him on. I'm filling in for the uh, balloon party tomorrow. Are you? And JR is going to be in studio oh, for all you uh, blues fans out there. And we'll we'll get down to a bunch of different stuff with the blues. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, a little blues hockey coming up in five minutes. Yeah. Uh, but, Dan. Yes, sir. So I was thinking about this with Tyler O'Neill, and um, I, I have become, I feel, in some respects, because of Brandon Kylie as the uh, the supporter, the number one supporter on 101 ESPN of Dylan Carlson. Now, uh, do I believe that Dylan Carlson's going to turn into Andre Ethier? Not really, but yeah. I also don't feel like he's had the opportunity to. Uh, some of that is him. You know, he's dealt with the injuries, uh, the production hasn't been there, and that's Kylie's point. Kylie's like, look, he's a good thousand at-bats, man. What's he done? Fair. I I I think he's had 217 at-bats or so this year. Yeah, Not a lot. Hasn't really had the extended run either. Well, I don't know if you can play him against right-handed pitching. And that would tell me then you're a fourth outfielder because you're going to be pigeonholed against righties. Majority of the league is righties. Mm -hmm. Now he can play all three outfield spots. So when Walker comes up, you have a lead. Um and you need a defensive replacement, you can put him in any of those three outfield spots, and he's going to hold his own, if not be better than that. Sure. But against right-handed pitching, his average is 197. I don't really care anymore about average because no one else pays attention to it anyway in baseball. What's his OPS? 592. Mm. Ouch. That's not good. He has nine extra base hits hitting from the left side. Okay. Totally, total this year. So, you know, when you start looking at what you need to do, do you say to him, do you say to even a Tommy Edmond, who's been better, but do you say to Dylan Carlson, if you're going to play, you got to have production on both sides of the plate, or we're going to look at you as just primarily being a right-handed batter? How how do you get my – so my counter to that would be how do you how do you get there if you're not getting at-bats against right-handed Why not play pitching? him down the stretch here? Um, ex- thank you. Exactly. See what you got. I don't I, – I understand what the numbers are saying. I get that. I'm not saying that Kylie hasn't brought up good points about him, but at 24 years old, I I don't think that this kid is anywhere close to being a finished product. I don't think that what his numbers say as of right now, with a thousand abs in 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 his career, says that this is this is a finished product. This is what he's going to be forever. Let me ask you this though: If you did a blind resume, yeah, and you didn't know that you're talking about Dylan Carlson, and you said, "Well, here's a guy. He's 24." He got brought up at this time, and this is what he's done. Yep. Would you feel the same way as opposed to knowing it's Dylan Carlson, mm-hmm. a lot of hype around him, top pick, all that kind of stuff, and, I, and the buildup was big? No, I'd say this but guy this well guy, deserved. This guy can't hit right-handed pitching. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the, the one. Sometimes you just got to do like the blind resume thing and mm-hmm. go, what am I truly looking at, or have I built up expectations so high because of the reputation that preceded him, right? That maybe I'm not seeing this clearly. And if you look at it just from the numbers standpoint, and he's been around a little bit now, it's not like he's in year one. This is year 
three. 20, 2019. I think I think we throw out twenty twenty truncated season. So although he was batting cleanup in the final game of that season. So that's kind of where I'm at. So this kid was a top prospect. Yeah, this kid was somebody that you were invested. This was the kid that you said told Goldhead. You know. Um, out of my cold, dead hands, right? Okay, this is all. This is still the same kid, no? And now I, he's not yeah. worth developing. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at, at least. I know what your point is on the on the numbers and the blind. I, I wonder test. though, it's human nature though. If you're the Cardinals front office, you trade away another outfielder. How would you feel if all of a sudden he goes and and boom somewhere else? Right. You know, sometimes it's a different. Hitting coach, sometimes it's just a change of scenery. Sometimes it's a different league. Mm-hmm. Um, or the fact that you know you're going to play every day, which he comes to the ballpark not knowing that. Yeah. And he just heard for weeks about trade rumors around his name. Yeah, But that's why I say in the final two months of this regular season, under two months, I'm playing him every day. Uh, I, I'm i playing I, him every I, day. Dan, I completely agree with you. Here's the thing. Here's what, here's what we know. Here's the facts. Randy Rosarina did not get an extended look here. Because of Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, and Dexter Fowler. That's a fact. Adolis Garcia did not get an extended look here because of Dexter Fowler and you know some of these other guys. And the third base bag. How many times? <laughs> third base bag. Didn't help that he stumbled around that. But that's yeah. not why he's out no, here. Right. Also, every other team passed on him too. Yes. So I, that I, needs I, to be thrown in there. What, I, what I'm saying here, though, is that how many chances are you going to give to Tyler? His Tyler O'Neill has told you repeatedly who he is. He has been vocal about it in nonverbal ways. I know I contradicted myself, but he has. He has told you what sort of, sort of player he is. And every time you're like, get his ass in the lineup. This is you never know. Lightning in the bottle from twenty, you know, twenty one or whatever it was. Twenty one, yeah. He has told you he is an injury prone player that's going to tease you every time he's out there. And that guy, extended run, extended run, extended run. Why can't we get my guy Dylan Carlson to extended run here? I think right now, if you're a very good team, and I'm talking about a playoff team, a division leading team, Dylan Carlson's coming off your bench. He's probably a fourth outfielder. Right now, yes. And at this point in his career, and I hate to pigeonhole a guy and say, well, 24-year fourth outfielder on a very good team and where he's at in his production, that's Mm -hmm. where he'd be right now. But I'd say you give him the the last two months, play him against the right-handed pitching, and just say, don't look over your shoulder. Let's see what you got. We're going to give go. you this run. I agree. All right. And see what you got. Uh, Jer- JR now is going to be ticked. There's no doubt. No about question it. about that. Right. Jeremy Rutherford, a uh, little blue stock, probably yelling at us as well. Next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. All right, let's head to our celebrity line. We have Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider with The Athletic, with Dan McLaughlin, filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stolzer. What's up, JR? Not too much, not too much. Uh, Never, ever ticked, guys. Come on. uh, Love you guys. I'm on with Fast Lane. I'm going to sit in with Danny tomorrow for an mm-hmm. hour. That's right. Talk yeah. some blues hockey and uh, get a chance to chat with you guys now uh, five minutes late. Well, you already know we're not professional, but we still want to apologize when we're not. So sorry about that, JR. But um, <laughs> anyways, hey, the uh, the anatomy of a draft was was aired the other night. What'd you think? What was it? What was most in, like? What was the most interesting aspect to you? 
Yeah, I liked it. Uh, the most interesting aspect, Anthony, to me was we talked to Doug Armstrong how many times? Three or four times before the draft, and he said he would be shocked if they did not go up to the stage for the 10th pick and make that selection. And you see in the anatomy of the draft that the Blues are very close to trading out of that 10th spot. <laughs> Going back to 13, it looked like they had a deal maybe with uh, with Buffalo to move back. Uh, look, they had uh, a top seven that they were not going to move off of. Dalibor Dvorsky was in that top seven. He slipped to number 10, and they took him, and they got a great player. But great job by the Blues on that documentary. I know that uh, you know some people said, there isn't a, a ton of insight in those types of pieces, but I think that uh, the Blues don't have to do that. They don't have to give you any detail what they're talking about at that draft table. And so for them to offer the nuggets that they did and kind of bring that uh, perspective, I thought was uh, really big on their part. And, and I thought for somebody who covers the team all the time, uh, told me a few things. Like what? <laughs> Let's hear it. What did you learn? Well, besides the Dvorsky thing, uh, you, you look at uh, the situation where uh, behind the scenes, they have so many scouts, including uh, guys like Keith Kachuk, uh, advisors like Al McKinnis, and then uh, a, n- a number of part-time and full-time scouting uh, guys, Dan, that uh, get to offer their opinion. And the one thing that I've heard from these guys uh, in talking to them about Doug Armstrong is that he really listens to their voice and he really gives them a say in the matter. Sure. He's the boss. Sure. He's the guy who's steering the ship the night of the draft, uh, but they really lean on their cross uh, scouts to, to bring them the names of the players that they like. And they fight for these guys. And these, these meetings get pretty heated, which we also saw in the anatomy of the draft uh, in terms of where uh, guys like guys to go in the draft. They, they want to have their say. And I think Doug Armstrong allows them to do that. How big is that too, JR? When you have when you don't have a GM or you know a hockey president of hockey operations that is surrounded by yes man, but guys that will actually pound the table for uh, a player that they like, or maybe it's a a conversation about philosophy, but there's some healthy pushback and disagreement. Well, I think there has to be, and that's just any any industry, any sport, and particularly something when you're talking about evaluating 17, 18-year-old hockey players. I mean, you, you lean on the scouts because those are the guys who are driving the thousands and thousands of miles each winter in, in the uh, icy conditions to go watch these guys play, and they have a vested interest in these players. So sure, if, if they latch on to a guy and, and they really want the team to pick them, are they going to stick up for their guy? Yeah, for sure. Uh, but also in talking to people for this piece that I wrote about the anatomy of the draft guys, uh, they really come together when it comes to which player makes the most sense for the St. Louis Blues. So, again, whether it be Hall of Famers like an Al McKinnis or it be a no-name scout that uh, fans are just seeing his face and name for the first time in this, uh, in this documentary, all these people have an equal say. And that's why you're seeing guys like Jordan Cairo, like Robert Thomas. You see them in the Blues uniform at Enterprise Center, but a lot of work went in behind the scenes to get these players to St. Louis. JR, typically how long does it take in your experience to get a 7th overall pick, a 10th overall pick, I don't care, 20th, 21st round picks? How, how, how long, generally speaking, does it take, or is it all based on individual organizational style, the individual of the player, all those things that come into it? Yeah, Danny Mac. I think a combination of those things, uh, you know, we latch on to what Doug Armstrong said several months ago when he said, hey, 10th overall pick, it's going to take 36 months for this guy to make an impact. Now, you know, we want to differentiate between the word impact, which probably means putting up some points and kind of leaning on that guy. And in the lineup, there's a difference between, you know, bringing in a guy, Robert Thomas, a couple of years ago, played on that Stanley Cup team 
you know, were those first few months or even that first season until he got to the playoffs, you know, maybe he wasn't making a strong impact, but he was in the lineup at a young age. So I think with a guy like Dvorsky, Dan, uh, he's got a two-year deal with the team in Sweden. He can leave at any time. I would expect that he'd play this, uh, this next season in Sweden, probably the, the full year. And then there's a chance he could come over uh, next year. So you could pencil him into the Blues lineup in two years, I think. And in terms of making an impact, like Doug said, you know, probably more like 36 months. Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider with The Athletic, joining us right on the fast line on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. JR, one of the other interesting aspects, I thought, of the anatomy of a draft was when Doug Armstrong asked everybody in the room uh, about where they draft Dvorsky. And... You know, some guys say, well, you know, we think that he, he's one of the top seven players. We think he could get to 10. One of the, I think one of the, the, I think the amateur scout for the European group for the Blues said, you know, I'd go up and get him. I would try, I would trade up for him. And it kind of surprised Armstrong. The, the draft, as much as we want, we want to believe that any draft, NFL, NHL, whatever, is like this perfect science. It really isn't, and you're gathering as much information as possible to have an idea of where guys could go. How much, how much luck goes into drafting the right players at the right time? Yeah, just a ton of it. It really does, because you go to that number six pick at the Arizona Coyotes, they kind of take what the, the, the people in the business call a jumper. They, they go with the defenseman. Uh, at number six, and that kind of changed things, I think, for the Blues. And, and so to kind of further your point, uh, yeah, there's a scene in the anatomy of the draft where they're talking to the European scout, Jan Volpot, and he says, personally, I would trade up to get Dvorsky, but I think we can still get him at number 10. So those are the types of comments that sit in Doug Armstrong's mind on draft night, and he's sitting there thinking, do I need to trade up to get him? Wait a minute. Arizona just took a jumper. Uh, they took the defenseman at number six. That means we're going to have a chance at Dvorsky. And then you see in the footage, Doug Armstrong says, okay, if Leonard and Dvorsky go at 8-9, then we're going to trade down. We're going to move back from our 10 pick to, to number 13. But when the jumper goes at number six, Dvorsky slides to number 10, and the Blues take him. So it is, it is a crapshoot. You know, You can sit there and do all the planning you want have all the meetings you want with all these amateur scouts, all the Zooms you want, and you don't know until you get there to draft night when uh, a team like Arizona takes a guy that really nobody expected at, at number six. And then still, uh, even even at that, you have Washington and Detroit ahead of you that could have taken Dvorsky. They didn't, and now he's a St. Louis Blue. So a lot fell the Blues' way, I believe, that draft night. Trevor Nickerson and, and the Blues video department, they they do just an incredible job of, of a lot of this. And the Stanley Cup stuff that they did, going back with the Cup for a Day with a player, was awesome. Um, I am curious, though, JR, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but how much were they allowed to show and how much was left on the uh, editing room floor just to make sure that various things don't get out into the public. And I think anybody that is reasonable can understand that. It's trade secrets. It's things maybe you don't want out there. But how much do you think was left for the, the general public to digest and how much do you think was left on the editing room floor? Yeah, Dan, first of all, uh, great job by Trevor Nickerson, Mike Crusoe, and that Blue Note Productions crew. They do an outstanding job. Now, keep in mind, they're responsible not only for projects like this, Dan, but also like the David Perron salute, the tribute video sure. when he comes back to St. Louis for the first time. So they've done an outstanding job. But in terms of how much gets in the piece that you know fans want to see and, and how much gets uh, left on the editing room floor, I mean, let's be real here. Uh, they can't show everything. And so in, in writing the article that I did for The Athletic about the documentary, 
yeah, you talk to people and, and they say that uh, everything runs through Doug Armstrong. And of course, he's, if he's going to approve a project like this and he's going to give the green light for them to film the meetings, then he's going to have final say at what gets in there. So, yeah, not everything got in there, but I think the Blues gave more of a glimpse into what they were thinking with that 10th overall pick and some of the other things uh, than, than probably most organizations would have done. And so I think you look at that situation, uh, there's got to be communication between the, the video people and the general manager if they're going to continue to do projects like that. They certainly want to be on the up and up, and that, that was the case here. Good stuff, Jr. We appreciate it, man. And uh, we're looking forward to you and Dan McLaughlin tomorrow morning on the balloon party uh, right after the opening drive at 10 o'clock. Yeah, sounds good. We'll see you in the morning, Danny. Uh, give me that wake-up call. It's the off-season. I'm not used to getting up there. <laughs> oh, sure, buddy. No problem. And I bet you're in. Uh, I bet you're ready to go for uh, training camp. It's not that far away. Uh, uh, let's let's not start talking about that yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get down to time. it tomorrow. I yeah. look forward to it. Yeah. We'll do that. All right. Thanks, guys. See you, you guys, buddy. Thank you. That's uh, Jeremy Rutherford at JP Rutherford is where you can follow him on Twitter. Great stuff from the athletic. I love JR. As always. So do I. Ten to eleven tomorrow morning. The balloon party. Dan McLaughlin, Jeremy Rutherford. So yes, you guys going to have some great blues coverage again tomorrow. He'll be in studio. Um, and uh, I knew JR by the way when we both were covering the Arena League here in St. Louis. No kidding. We were the only two. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. <laughs> he was a stringer at the post, and I was getting post game sound for KMOX, and we were together and getting yelled at by various members of the front office from the Arena League. And we're like, wait a minute. Why are you yelling at us? We're the only guys yeah. covering you. But that's the way it went. Whatever. Well, we'll get. We'll talk blues tomorrow. Yeah. It'll be go. exciting. We're looking forward to it. All right. We got the Sports Six Pack next. So if you got a question, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. So if you got a question for Dan or I, great. Send it there. And we'll do that next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's. Your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. With Dan McLaughlin, I'm Anthony Stalter. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Danny Mack doing a great job, as always, filling in for Jamie Rivers. Here's Andrew Marsh with some questions. Question one, please. Question number one. All right, Dan, you are uh, filling in tomorrow for the balloon party. We get a text from the 314. Dan, are you going to open the show tomorrow saying, yes, yes, yes? In case you don't know, that's what Tim does. Oh, is that right? I, uh, well, as much as I listen, I should have realized that. Uh, Probably not. You got to put your own spin on it. Yeah, I got to put, thank you, Marshy. I was looking for the right ways to, to put that out there. No, I, I don't think I will. Um, and again, I love listening to the balloon party. What's he say? Question yes, two, yes. please. Yes yes yes, 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 yes. I got you. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Question two, please. How does it... Okay, so... <laughs> Dan wants the second question. Dan will just hold off. Jeez. What does... Uh... I'm trying to think how the how B Cam Ferrario open up. I don't know. You open it up with "Let's get nasty" yeah. on a whatever day it is. Yeah, we get nasty. So we get nasty. Yeah. Jamie, do you know what that's? You know what that line is from? No. Um, 
I didn't necessarily intend it to be from this, but it's when uh, Rube Baker in Major League Two says, let's get nasty, <laughs> oh, yeah. Ricky. Let's get nasty. Uh-huh. <laughs> I should have realized that. I think Vaughn comes in from the bullpen or something. He's like, you mean Rick Vaughn? <laughs> Rube Baker goes behind the dish and he just goes, let's get nasty, Ricky. Let's Is that get your nasty. favorite baseball movie? The original, yes. Yes. And I don't mind Major League Two. I know some people pan it. But I like it, there's, too. There, dude, there's a lot of funny-ass lines in that. I uh, I think The Natural might be mm. my favorite. It's a great movie. That's a great movie. It's for phenomenal. A classic. Uh, you know what I liked about it, too? It wasn't like so cheesy where you're looking at actors trying to be baseball players. That's I, the I, tough part. I thought they did a good job with yeah. Yeah, the baseball look of it. Mm-hmm. That wasn't great, but I thought it was a lot better than others that you watch in sports movies. Um, Kevin Costner in um, if I could have one more love catch, my love of the, lo- oh, <laughs> yeah. feel the dreams, feel yeah. the dreams. Yeah. I thought you're going with uh, Bull Durham for, for love of the game. For I've seen like game. eight thousand times I like too. That one. Uh, I do too. John yeah, feel- C. Riley is the catcher, right? Mm, yes. The, uh, is he? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Oh, wow. Yep. Which is so I've only odd to seen see him. that once, I think. Yeah, I mean, because you think of him and then you think of Boogie Nights. So, I mean, obviously, <laughs> there's one side of it and then the other. I think it's Step Brothers. That's the other one. He's a Step Brothers. I watched that the other night. <laughs> Talladega that's Nights. A great, that's a great Bank. comedy. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Question two, please. Question two, please. Question number two. <laughs> From the 816, if you were to stop by a veggie slash fruit stand oh, on here the we side go. of the road, what would you buy? Uh, do, do we have to go down this road again with me? <laughs> yeah. I don't eat a tomato. Oh, that's right. Okay. I haven't had a pickle. <laughs> Question three, please. I don't do that. I don't understand the pickle thing. I don't. Just be quiet you about it. I love cheeseburgers, man. Put a pickle on a cheeseburger. I like the cheese in the burger. That'll be fine. With a little ketchup, too. And a piece of lettuce. I'll put did a piece you, of lettuce. Did you just do the John Miller? That'd be fine. <laughs> no, that I used to do. That'll be fine. But uh, John Miller, uh, I'll take the, the burger <laughs> and slap it on a, another burger. And then you have cheese and a little ketchup and then slap the bun. And once you have that, you, you've got yourself a burger. It's a cheeseburger. <laughs> Next pitch a ball. <laughs> it's, the best, it's like the, the ad- best John Miller. The adult version of explaining how to make a s'more from the Sandlot. Yeah, exactly. First, John Miller is awesome. Man, he's so good. He is so good. I just, I, I close my. I remember be, covering a Cardinal playoff game in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They put the media out in the bleachers in left center and the sun or something was in my eyes. I just closed my eyes and had the game tuned into radio mm-hmm. as I'm at the event and just listen to him call the game. It's it's poetry, man. He's he's amazing. He he's, is amazing. Uh, I miss him on Sunday Night Baseball. I was yeah, just about I, to say, right, I, I grew up with him, him and Joe Morgan on Sunday yeah. Night Baseball, and they would be a part of made the... Made big, uh, didn't they, Marshy? They did, yeah. and it hasn't, been the sen- it hasn't been the same since, in my opinion. I agree. But I think I, that's because every game's on TV. So if your game... Like, you know, maybe you might get three games a week. For when I grew up, you might get one. Mm-hmm. I, if they were on Saturday baseball with Vince Scully on NBC, that was that was a big deal. Your team was being showcased. But yeah. now I, I think it's kind of lost its luster because every game's on TV. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I feel the same about other announcers. Like when I think of hockey and ESPN, I Gary immediately Thorne. think of Gary Thorne. Yeah, and me he's too. not a part of it either. Yeah. So love Gary Thorne. Mm-hmm. Great, great hockey and baseball announcer and bowling. He did the the famous call of uh, 
Big Earn? No, not Big Earn. He's my favorite character, though. <laughs> was it the, uh, who do you think you are? Who do you think you, you are? are? I am. I am, yeah. <laughs> Did he get it? I didn't know he was a part of that. I think it's Gary Thorne's call. You have to look. We'll see wow. on YouTube if we can find it. Speaking of Oriole um, announcers, he used to do the Orioles games. Oh, did he? Yeah, I believe so. Gary Thorne, he was part of the Orioles. Oh, he did broadcast. the Yeah, he did that for years. Yeah, I, I loved watching his baseball calls because growing up, I always thought he was just strictly hockey. But yeah. then he did one, the Mets for a number of years. Yeah, one wow. day I stumbled upon him doing baseball calls. I'm like, gosh, this yeah, guy is so electric. He's awesome. The more you know. There you go. Question. Three, please. Three, please. Question number three. All right, guys. We were just talking about baseball movies from the 980. Guys, what's the greatest football movie ever made? Yes, I have to say any given Sunday. Okay. Now, going back to things being either not good enough or, in this case, in sports, totally exaggerated. Yeah. That one's... I mean, you got a guy in a chainsaw cutting through a car. You know what's... You know what? if, If Oliver Stone could just... Cut, like tail it, cut, tail it down. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I will say, as somebody that did play the game, not the NFL level, okay? Not, you know, but as somebody that did play the game to to watch the football scenes and the way that Oliver Stone did the football scenes for any given Sunday, I do think they were incredible. Like through the through the quarterback's vision, yeah. that you know he's looking at he's looking at like the the, mm-hmm. the robber the one time and he's calling out the call. Like I thought the speed in which, as best as he could to capture the speed of the game, and everything how everything's flying around the contact. I think he did a great job. Everything else, though, you're like, okay, just can we dial it down a yeah, little bit? Yeah, dial it down. Uh, Do you, but the greatest football movie of all time, of course, is the program. The program. Yeah. Have you seen JFK? Uh, I have. I mean, his the way he cuts that movie it's, with back and showing the footage of JFK getting hit, and then mm-hmm. going to Kevin Costner, who's the lawyer, and then um, I, it's really well done. I mean, that's pretty awesome too. When they're shooting the scene in which Costner and the other lawyer are in the book depository. Oh, it's awesome. And they're talking about how Lee Harvey, yes, why didn't he take the shot coming down the one street and instead took the a, a different shot with the tree there and all that. I, that was pretty that was pretty stuff. impressive. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think, I enjoyed that movie. I think for me as weird of a movie it is, but the the longest yard how they, in, they incorporated former players. The remake. The remake. Yeah. yeah, I like. I like when they have the movie itself is. It's fine. You know, it's what? fine. It's, it's fun. It's, like, it's a fun movie. But I like when we're talking it's about fun. the football aspect of things. They had yeah. player. They had former players in there. Yeah, they had Michael Irvin. Yeah. You know who's you know is an unbelievable athlete is uh, Nelly. Nelly. Holy yeah. smokes! I mean, he looked like he could have been a running back. Hundred yep. percent. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's carry over these oh, questions. Okay, good. All right. All right. Let's we only answered three. Well, then we owe another three to these people, you know? Darn tootin'. Dan McLaughlin filling in for tootin'. Jamie Rivers. He went to uh, Texas route there. Uh, I sure did. Uh, Friday rest- Night Lights. Now, that is a great the show. That's what I was the thinking movie that. was good. Great show, the too. The show was, is one of my favorites. Coach you Taylor. Read the book? Coach Taylor. No. The original book the, with Buzz, Buzz Bissinger. Bissinger? No. I actually I read that in uh, school, actually. It's awesome. My senior year. I Buzz Bissinger was a unique character, obviously. Mm-hmm. I got to know him. I know we got to go. I got to know him um, when he covered the Cardinals. So he covered the Cardinals to write a book. No kidding. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, what was it? The, the uh, Tony LaRusso. It was Tony LaRusso book. Something and in October, seven nights in October. Seven nights in August, three yeah. nights in August, 
three nights in August, I think. But he was on every trip with us. Really? All access. Tony gave him all access. No kidding. It was, and he mentions me in the book, which I'm very proud of, of saying, hey, I was a help to him and all that kind of stuff. But he is a really unique individual. And he wrote a book about one of his children that was um, stricken with something. I I can't remember, and I should, and I I apologize for not knowing it, but it's Mm -hmm. a meaningful book. The guy is an incredible writer. Like, just to, to write Friday Night Lights, to do a baseball book, to do a, a caring book about his son. Yeah. It's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Neat dude. Neat dude. Talented, no doubt. All right. Yep. Uh, the rest of the Sports Expect next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is refreshed by Maggie O'Brien's, your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over forty-two years. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Dan McLaughlin filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Andrew Marsh, let's continue this. Question four, please. Question number four. By the way, we were getting a lot of text. Uh, Remember the Titans. We didn't mention Remember the Titans. Another great great movie. movie. Yes. Kind of necessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. Necessary roughness. Did we mention? Necessary roughness, good too. Did we mention the program? Well, we did, but you can't mention it too much, Marsh. That's true. Yeah. Very true. Alvin, they don't make them like they did uh, back in the day when it comes to Alvin Mack, Mm -hmm. greatest linebacker. Somebody brings up, by the way, a uh, a great uh, point here. This is on, uh, I can't tell the number, whatever. But it says, I'll tell you guys, a great football book is the right kind of heroes about Bob Shannon and the East St. Louis Flyers and the national power they became. It's an awesome book. Uh, Bob Shannon, longtime coach at East St. Louis, coached at CBC High School for a while. But um, you talk about an underserved community with the children that are over there in East St. Louis and being able to make them a national power through discipline, through hard work, all that kind of stuff. Number one in the country. Awesome book written by, I believe, Kevin Horrigan, the old sport at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch for so many years. But uh, just it's it, the socioeconomic parts of yeah. it as well in addition to football it's it's well worth your time to read it it's Excellent. really done Excellent. really well done okay sorry question four five question four please question right. four please from the 618 if the la angels don't get otani signed this offseason would they be forced to a rebuild if so would this be a good time for the cards to make an arenado type trade to get mike trout no no on which part uh i so what does Trout have left? He signed a ten-year, three hundred and seventy-five million dollars. Yeah. No, four hundred or something so like that. Like, uh, eight years left, maybe. Yeah, he already got some outfielders. I'll take the pitching instead. Give me some pitching. I don't think you need to have three guys making twenty-five million a year. I'll take one, and then supplement the rest of my rotation. But uh, and Mike Trout ain't going anywhere either. I wouldn't think unless he totally demands that he wants out of. LA and getting away from the Angels. I, I don't, you know, he's their franchise player. He's been the face of that franchise for over a decade. Um, the other thing is, he's always hurt. 
I mean, unfortunately. I, I, yeah, yeah. I don't think he'd want that. And he's on the back end, the back nine probably of his career, which has been prodigious in so many different ways. Mm. But I, I don't think you'd want to do that. I'd take him, but I don't think you'd, you're going to get him. He's got seven more years left on his deal at $35.4 million per year. Every year. Yeah. And you're already paying Arenado yes. 30 plus. You got Goldie, who's going to be up. They're going to have him finish as a Cardinal, is my suspicion. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that Trout has been injury prone the last few years, no, I don't see that happening. Still, you could lose every game like 13 to 10, though. Yeah, probably. It's kind of intriguing. Yeah. Well, you put him in that lineup yeah. Arenado, Goldie, Mike Trout. Yeah. No pitching. You Contreras, could become the Angels. Walker. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Better get some pitching. Isn't it interesting, though? Become uh, the Angels? Uh, no. Give me some pitching. Uh, okay, I'm with you on that one. Uh, yeah, I'll also say no. Pitching, please. Pitching, period. Mm-hmm. Question number five. Five, please. From the 314, guys, I looked at the last couple of Cardinal games, and I'm not going to say that they have quit on the season. But is it just me, or have you guys noticed a lack of fight, grit, and overall energy with this team? I actually noticed that in all seriousness in in May. In May? Yeah. I, I think I just noticed... Maybe that's not fair. There's just June. Been, when you get rid of Flaherty, Hicks, DeYoung... Uh, Montgomery, Stratton. I'm. It's not a lack of fire. I think it's looking around and going. That's a lack of talent. Mm. You know what I mean? Where's those are guys that yeah. could could help you win some games, and now you're you're stuck. Where I still like the lineup. I think the lineup's very good, but they just don't have pitching. Yeah, and so they're gonna have to be. They're gonna have to execute. Like last night's a great example. You're gonna have to execute pretty much perfect baseball to win a lot of these games Mm -hmm. especially if you're tight in games your bullpen has got to execute to have a one two three or get a ground ball double play those kind of things yeah they don't have that right now so this could be a long six to seven weeks before this baby's over let me rephrase i think dan that they they tried incredibly incredibly hard early on the effort has always been there i think they they look like a team uh, that didn't have a lot of energy because they're like grinding the the bats to sawdust every single night. Also, when you lose, you don't look like that too. Very true, and you can't be running around like Newt. Newt can't be grinding, grind, grinding on everybody when you're losing. Yes, but I saw a lack of overall like energy and excitement uh, right around April 14th or so. <clears throat> I would say the halfway other, through April, I thought this team had no energy. Well, the other part of it, too, is that the Cardinals have 48 games remaining. I was doing some numbers on this, and the offense is is starting to go the other way, mm-hmm. where you, you say, okay, you got a pretty good offensive team. You should be able to score some runs, stay in some games, even if the, the pitching isn't there. So they've lost 12 of 17. They have scored three runs or fewer 11 times. Okay, three runs or fewer 11 times in dropping 12 of 17. When you don't hit, and I say it all the time, and it is cliche, but when you don't hit and you don't score runs, you look flat anyway. True. And I don't care if you got Arenado, Goldie, Mike Trout, and Otani in your lineup. You don't score, you look flat. Right. The other part of this, too, is when you trade away uh, 
good talent and talent that gives you a chance to win and you walk in the clubhouse and you don't see him anymore it's human nature you're like man this has been a kick in the gut yeah what happened and i think that's part of what's going on here too yeah i really do i can't believe though that you of all people dan yeah uh, would highlight those the lack of run scoring and and say to our last listener that you don't want trout i find it embarrassing question five please <laughs> I'm embarrassed for you. <laughs> Question six, please. Question six. Is it six? Question six number six. six. Right. Uh, guys from the 314, I watched Hard Knocks last night, and the entire episode was essentially about Aaron Rodgers. His teammates raved about him. Mm-hmm. Has Aaron Rodgers been negatively portrayed in the media, or is he just putting on a show? I think he did it to himself, don't you? I think you? Aaron Rodgers is putting on a show. Absolutely. I think, I think Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> you can't eliminate the last 10 plus years of what you've seen from Aaron Rodgers, all because he shows up to New York and he's he's playing like the savior role now and he's playing nice guy. He's the same guy that didn't show up last year for training camp and all, or not training camp, but uh, camps and, and his, his young receivers were all coming in, wasn't there. Same guy that looked almost dismissive of his own head coach and Mike McCarthy multiple years in Green Bay. The same guy that went into the darkness retreat, came out and said, you know what, I felt like retiring, but then I heard what the Packers yeah. did, and now I'm not going to retire. Like, this is the same dude. Yep. Family reportedly wants nothing to do with him. Former girl, you know, girlfriends have come out and said that guy's basically a narcissist. Like... No, I, I think that he's putting on a show. I do, too. He understands he's in the biggest media market in the world. Certainly. And uh, he's letting them eat out of the palm of his hands. Yeah. And, I, and by the way, I bet he has a monster season. I, I don't think he will. I, I do. I, I, I think still so think too. He'll, I think he'll perform at a high level. He's still elite. Um, two years ago, by God, he was the MVP. And fell last, off a year. Well, last last year, I, th- I think he just cashed it in. I think he was just playing for a check. He was upset, frustrated, all the things that you talked about. And now that he's got a new surroundings, probably a jolt in his game. Now, again, you got to have the players around you to make you good at that position more mm-hmm. times than not. But I would imagine that he has a big year. Worst offensive line. I don't care. Worst coaching. Debatable. <laughs> I felt like whatever I was going to say there, you're going to say debatable, and I love it. Whatever you say, Sean Payton. Sean, uh, Sean Payton's incredible, and you know that, Marsh. You know that. He was pretty good in his cameo in Home Team. Yeah, he was. Hey, we missed you around here, Coach. That's what he said <laughs> as he mopped the floors. All right. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. What's trending is next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Dan McLaughlin filling in for Jamie Rivers. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, a tough loss last night for the Cards. 4-2, we talked about Miles Michaelis being pulled from the game in the eighth inning. However, it's a new day, and Dakota Hudson is on the mound. 
Thoughts about Dakota Hudson? Can he replicate what we saw last week? Hmm. Oh, is that me? <laughs> yeah. uh, hmm. Well, consistency has been his thing, right? You just don't know if you're going to get Dakota Hudson that pitched well last week mm-hmm. or if it's going to be a five and two-thirds with four runs allowed and two strikeouts and three walks. I mean, it's kinda, that's kind of Dak. His, his, his ERA is actually has always been pretty good. I, I would just love to see him just throw sinker after sinker after sinker yeah, after sinker. Not? You know what I mean? Have these guys just beat the ball He's into the ground? Got great movement. Yep. Great movement. Um, I, I don't know, man. It's interesting. He came off of Tommy John, and it was up and down last year. And then this year, you you implement the fact that you have a a quicker system to make guys pitch when he was one of the slowest workers in baseball. Good call. Um I don't know. All those can be factors. Usually it takes you a year, year and a half to come back from Tommy John. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a former top pick that they had. I, I still believe in him that he's got good stuff. But this is another one of those players that you you pencil him in every fifth day and say, okay, show us what you got. Don't look over your shoulder. Matthew Libertor, don't look over your shoulder. You're, you're going to get the ball good, bad, ugly. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But show us what you got. Don't look over your shoulder. Because I think that's part of what's happening, too, is it's kind of like a guy when they get – um, a chance to play, a position player, Dylan Carlson would come to mind. And you've got other options. And all of a sudden, um, you know, a, a righty's on the mound, and he's like, oh, man, if I don't hit get two hits or three hits, I'm not in the lineup tomorrow. Right. I think for sometimes these pitchers that have been spot guys, spot starters, it's like, man, if I don't deal tonight, I'm going back to Memphis. Mm-hmm. So it's added pressure that you put on yourself. And I, I would say for these guys, tell them, hey, you're going to get the ball, relax, and let it rip. Yeah. See what you got. Yeah. I, I, Dan, I completely agree. I think that moving forward, Gersh kind of mentioned this the other day too. The, these guys are fighting for spots or they're fighting for opportunities. The only, One of the only good things in a down season is that you can give guys a little bit more of a runway here without, without necessarily counting on the results, you know, or determining the results because – Unfortunately, the wins and losses don't matter at this point. No. And so it's opportunity, and that's the one way you have to look at it. It is opportunity for some of these guys to play. Gorman against lefties. Carlson against righties. You know, these are things that I would look at. You got nothing to lose. You already lost. Gorman's, to me, Gorman's an everyday player. Like, let's go here. You want want this guy to be a stud? You want this guy to. Well, here's the thing. If you trade Edmund, if you traded Donovan, which I. You know, maybe one of those guys would be on the block this offseason. Yeah. Then you got to look at if Mason Wynn is your shortstop, who's playing second base? You're not going to take Nolan Gorman's bat out of the lineup. No. So let him play. Agreed. In all situations. Mm-hmm. I, and I think as we go further along, I bet we're going to see more and more of that. Yeah. I'd be surprised if we didn't. I hope so. We do need a new Beat the Streak contestant. So if you want to play Beat the Streak, just text in BTS to 314-399-9646. Again, BTS to 314-399-9646. Who did our guy have yesterday? He was very confident. He had Tommy Edmond. Stupid A Tommy Edmond mm-hmm. letting everybody down. You know what you got to do? You got to go with Ray. Mm. I mean, that's the that's the thing to do these days. Marsh, how'd you do yesterday? I got a hit. Yeah, you did. You did too? Yeah. How'd Jamie do? He also got a hit. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> so these past couple of weeks, we've been talking about Dalvin Cook, where he's going to land, uh, which team he could be playing for this season. Kareem Hunt, also running back that is available. 
He met with the Saints. He also just met with the Indianapolis Colts. Adam Schefter tweeted about uh, a little over an hour ago, free agent running back Kareem Hunt is leaving Indianapolis without a deal. Per source, Colts made an offer, but the two sides were unable to reach an agreement as there is still, in quotes, continued interest from other teams. I wanted to ask you guys, with Dalvin Cook and Kareem Hunt not being on a team, how much will that affect their production this upcoming year not being in camp? Depends on what team they go to. Mm -hmm. So if Dalvin Cook winds up in, let's just say, Miami, I think the production will be fine. If he winds up with the Jets, his production will be based on when Brees Hall is available because Brees Hall tore his Think about the guy handing it off to him, though. Yeah, that's true. Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest ever. He's going to have the biggest year ever, according to Dan. I didn't Uh, say best ever. He's got a good year. All um, pro, maybe go for MVP. It doesn't fit. the Jets back to the playoffs. It doesn't fit my narrative, Dan. I understand that. Go right ahead, please. Uh, Dalvin Cook. To me, Dalvin Cook is is still a stud. Kareem Hunt is somebody that will be an RB2 in any situation that he winds up in. I think he'd be a really good fit in New Orleans. Alvin Alvin Kamara is going to be out for a couple of weeks during the season. I think Kareem Hunt can, you know, balance that out both with, you know, the current guys they have as well as when Alvin Kamara gets back. But I don't think I don't think it matters for running backs as much. Mm-hmm. Save them some wear and tear. They're not going to play in preseason anyways. There, to me, Hunt is not hearing the deal that he wants. That's right. why he left New Orleans, and that's why he left Indianapolis. So his market, he has over overstated his market. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, he he's over he he has overvalued his market. Maybe like Vladimir Tarasenko did. Absolutely. So maybe he's seeking a two year deal mm-hmm. with somebody, and they're only offering him one. Dalvin Cook, I think, is waiting for the absolute right situation. Mm-hmm. I hope he winds up in Miami. I think he'd be a really good fit with the Dolphins. There's a lot of people in this town that aren't too fond of John Mozeliak and how he goes about things with the front office. What? I'm sure a lot of fans in New that? York no. are not too happy with the way that Brian Cashman goes about oh, things no, as well. They want him done. They yeah. want him outy. So according to NJ.com's Bob Clappish, Cashman will be retained beyond this season with a source telling Clappish, that the prospect of owner Hal Steinbrenner firing the longtime GM, in quotes, isn't even on the table. It's not up for discussion. Uh, uh, Dan, I hate to put you on the spot here, but yeah, you, you know more about the league than I do. Cashman and Mo, they got to be the two longest tenured presidents slash GMs, Yeah, right? I was trying to just think of that. Who would be longer? I'm going through. You know, like Brian Sabian was with the Giants forever, but yep. uh, he his run ended a couple of years ago, and now I think he's back with the Yankees. Jed Hoyer was with Theo Epstein in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Kenny Williams Dombrowski's is no there with been, the White Sox. Like, Dombrowski went from Boston around. to Philly. He was with Miami for a while, long time. Was he architect of some of those teams? Maybe Andrew Friedman with the Dodgers. He's been there probably about 10 years now. No, because it was uh, Farheed Zahidi. Yeah. Who he, was with the Giants. And then didn't he go to L.A. for one year and then the Giants? Or was it with Tampa Bay and then went to the... I think Farhan Zahidi was the GM 
for the Dodgers and Friedman was the president. Okay. That's the only way the Giants got him because the Giants made him president. They, right. You know, or else they wouldn't have had, had an opportunity. Billy Bean, I'm sure. Is, oh, geez, Bain, yeah. Billy Bean. I but, forgot about him. But his role, though, has changed. Yeah. To where I, I don't know if he's kind of like a senior VP and overlooks some stuff, but not certainly not day to day. Right. Um, See, boy, I can't think of anybody else, though. But, yeah, Moe's been around since 0, uh, 08. But he was with Walt, though, in the early run right. of mm-hmm. the Cardinals behind the scenes, like in 01, 02, maybe even before then. So Billy Bean, his run as GM ended in 2015. Right. So to your point about his his role... He's the executive vice president of baseball operations and minority owner of the A's. Yeah, I knew they gave him a piece. Wow. That piece is going to wind up being very nice as they move to Vegas. Yeah, no kidding. I feel like the Yankees and the, the Cardinals are somewhat in the same situation. Like They just almost feel like they're stuck. And yeah. I wonder if it's because they've had such a long tenure of you know GM, Polbo, yeah, those I think types that's fair. of guys in the organization. Like, I feel like after a while, you need some sort of mm-hmm. shakeup. And I'm not saying, oh, let's fire Mo. I know a lot of people are probably like, no, please say that. Right. I think though, if those guys are being honest with themselves, and in majority of the time they are, they wanted the best interest of the club to come first. They'll right. tell you that sometimes it is good to hear from a different voice. Mm-hmm. It is good that somebody has the final say outside of myself. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't have a say or give some input or guidance to that next person that's in that chair. Yeah. Um, but I think it, things can get stale. Mm-hmm. It, it's a hard business. Things change. Maybe you're not seeing it through the lenses that you once did as a younger man. Those things change. And uh, I do think that many of them are honest with themselves and say, you know what? change of scenery for me change of scenery for them people need to hear a different voice yeah and it's time for me to step back or move into a different role at the club or organization whatever the case may be and again i'm not saying that's the case with mo i'm talking in generalities here whether it's football basketball hockey i don't care what it is but sometimes say that yeah you just you you just need to shake up a little bit to marsh's point and a different voice it's not necessarily the worst thing sure i I agree with that and marsh i think to your point about brian cashman and the yankees and mo with the cardinals I think fans become frustrated when they see the same thing over and over again. They have seen Mo struggle in free agency. They have seen this team be built in a similar manner. Um, with Cashman, the Yankees fans are tired of watching the pitching staff constantly be the issue in the postseason. You have these, not this year, but offensively, they've had these juggernauts and they have just never figured out the pitching. And the amount of money that they spend, they expect. Massive returns every year. I mean, John Carlos Stanton is not where he was a few years ago. Right. And you owe him a ton of money still. Um, Judge was hurt for a good portion of this year. At one point, they had Harrison Bader batting cleanup. Cleanup. This is for the Yankees, man. I know. You know, with that kind of payroll, I mean, you're paying Garrett Cole a ton. He's been awesome this year. Could be the Cy Young Award winner in the American League, but... Everybody, yeah, Luis Severino is having a horrific yes. season. Yes, uh, Domingo Herman had the no hitter, but was you know he's been bad, and now you know he he had his off field stuff. You've got you know Clark Schmidt, who BK thinks is the greatest you know thing since sliced bread. I'm giving BK too much you crap. And BK here. going back, we're in. going back. Well, you know he, he text in BK. He uh, 
He buzzed the tower last night on Twitter, so I got to give him some crap. Three nine nine. No, but Clark Schmidt. Yo-ho. Clark Schmidt has been pretty. <laughs> That's the morning show. Isn't it? I did his three nine nine. Yo ho. Yo Clark yeah. Schmidt's been good, but he's not. Yeah, you know, he shouldn't be your number two. How come you didn't jump in when I said yo ho? I had my thought about Clark Schmidt, so I was just gonna. He's yo-ho. too preoccupied with yeah. BK right now. Three yeah. nine nine. nine the tower. Six, four six. Four. Nine six. Yo ho. Yo ho. What do they say? Three nine nine. Yo ho. Yeah, okay. they all chime in though. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. So there are others that uh, are struggling, like yes, the Cardinals like are the Cardinals. this year. And You're not alone. Now, the Yankees still have a winning record, so I, I know fans want to hear that. I think Mo deserves a hall pass oh, on boy. this one because oh, he's had a hell of a track record. Whether you want to say it or not, it, it's been pretty darn good. Dan, I'm going to do this for you. All right, and save me. Else. We're, we're running break. out of time in the we're, segment. We're going to break. Yeah. All right. I'm moving on. We're going to beat the streak and biggest Yo. question of the day. Next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> we're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're going streaking! I want to hit baseballs. All of my successes depend on me. You're ready to hit. The hits just keep on coming. <laughs> Time to play Beat the Streak here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. And we have a new contestant today. Unfortunately, I got yesterday had, uh, you, you even told me this earlier, Tommy Edmond. That's right, Tommy Edmond. Uh, but now we have John. John's our latest contestant for Beat the Streak. What's up, John? Hey, what's going on? How you doing? We're doing great, man. Thanks for playing. You ready to rock? Yes, sir. I am ready. All right, good man. Uh, Marsh, tell us about the latest streaks. All right, so I'm at two right now. Now, boy. Stalter, you're at one. Jamie is at one. Dan will be filling in for Jamie. And now we have John. Okay. So, Marsh, who do you got today? This is just the first hit, right? No. no. Just oh. a hit. A hit. A hit. Yeah. Okay. The first home run is what we do for the home run derby. First, uh, whatever, please. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to stick with Randy Rosarena. I think he got two hits last night, so I'll stick with uh, the former Cardinal. Randy A. I'm going to go with the guy that uh, lasered one off of Miles Michaelis's hip on the first pitch yesterday. I'm going to go with Yandy Diaz. May Yandy I go Diaz. with the Cardinals? Uh, you can go with that's the Cardinals. That's your own risk. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, John, <laughs> I like you. What would he say? He goes, that's your own risk. I like Man, you, John. What a shot. <laughs> that's funny, well though. Well played, my friends. Yeah, you can go with the Cardinals. You go with any Cardinal you want, kid. Go for it. I, uh, I'm i going to go with Lars Newbar. The Newt? Newt, okay. right off the bat. All right, John, you're up. Mr. McLaughlin took mine, but I will go no, with... No, no, you know what? Go ahead and take him. If you want Newt, I'm going to go nope. with somebody else. Nope, go ahead and stick with him. I'll take low of the race. Okay, Ooh, there I you like go. I like that, too. All righty. Uh, now, do you want... Wait a minute, you took my raise one, so you get nude, I get low. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there, so there's a couple of different guys here with the raise, though. So there's Brandon Lau, and then there's Josh Lowe. Do you want Brandon Lau, or do you want Josh Lowe? Ooh, give me, give Brand- me Brandon Lau. Isn't he the one yeah. that went three for three last night? Yes, Brandon, yes so, yeah, I was about to say, Brandon Brandon Lau's on, you know, he's he's the one that can catch fire here. So do you want Brandon yes, Lau? Okay, you got yes, it. Sir. Okay. Spo- I mean, the, the, the spellings are the same, but I just want to make sure that we're not, uh, John, we're not, uh, you know, stealing something from you. So, all right. Fair enough. We appreciate, uh, we appreciate 
you playing and listening, and hopefully we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Excellent. All right, there you go. Thank you. That's John. Mm-hmm. So, Marsh, you took Randy Rosarina. I took Yandy Diaz. Dan, you took Newt. And John took Brandon Lau. That's your Beat the Street for today. Perfect. Is it uh, hard for you guys to see old Randy A doing his thing still, or are you over it? Uh, I'm I mean, over it. It, it is what stinks, it is, right? But, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I'm over it. Yeah, the Dodgers. The Dodgers traded Jordan Alvarez yeah. for a reliever at one point. Yeah, but they're like, still good, though. You know, we're just talking about trades, though, Marsh. That's know. a worse trade than that. We're talking about Jordan Alvarez. Pretty bad, yeah. Yeah, come on. Anyways, now nah, I'm, I'm over it. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. All right, we were talking earlier today. We actually started the show off talking about Johnny Manziel. We got a question from Liam. Liam wants to know which athlete will go down in sports lore as the greatest one-hit wonder. Ooh, that's a good question. Is it Johnny Manziel? It might be Johnny Manziel. Locally, maybe the great Bo Hart. Yeah, that was a good one-hit wonder. I like Bo. I did too. He's a great guy. If uh got a chance to meet him a couple of times now very good guy um man that's a good question jeremy lynn is the one that comes to mind yeah right off the top that's a good one too lynn sanity lynn sanity you ever seen the uh we're talking about documentaries there's one on jeremy lynn is there he uh i don't know he put up 30 or 40 at the garden on somebody and yeah. you know was like unconscious and hitting everything it was good it was well done um let me think of some other one-hit wonders. You don't have a lot of one-hit wonders in football, do you? Maybe Peyton Hillis. I mean, yeah. he was literally he he had like what a, a good season, maybe two. Was yeah, on the, the cover Bronx, of Madden, Madden, and then sort of tailed off. Like one season, though. Vince Young, maybe. Vince Young's a good one. Tim Tebow. There you go. He took him to a playoff game and won a yeah. playoff game. I was, yeah, I always love the Tim Tebow. Like when you when you hear from Tim Tebow backers, they are fierce. Oh yeah, that he never got a, a shot. Look at his record, things like that. When you go back and watch those Broncos games, you talk about the the things that needed to happen in those oh. games just to just for the Broncos to still be in it in the fourth quarter for him to throw one pass and win it. Yeah, did you ever, did you ever see the SNL skit where it's the Broncos? <laughs> It's the Broncos and Jason Sudeikis is, uh, I think he's God. He walks <laughs> walks into the Broncos locker room. I haven't room. seen this. <laughs> it's good. I'll, I'll stop talking about it, but it is, it is. I think it's really funny. Getting Just, into treacherous territory. I know, I know. I'll stop. I'll stop. So. We uh, we have some text. I like Jason Sudeikis. Ted Lasso is fantastic. He's fantastic. Yeah. I think he's hilarious. He is funny. And he was very funny in that skit. We have some text rolling in. We have uh, Tyler O'Neill, which is very Tyler topical. O'Neill is a great one. Hazel Baker, Jeremy ah, Hazel Jeremy Baker. Hazel Raker. Mm-hmm. We have and that uh, was only like one spring training slash April. I think an opening day that year, he had a triple, and he was part of three consecutive pinch hit home runs. Hazel Baker, Aledmus Diaz. And I can't remember the other one. I remember it's down in Atlanta. If memory serves correct, so he, he was a part of some. Good moments, and yeah. at least initially. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember that. We got Kent Bottenfield. Oh, okay. Kent uh, Bottenfield had an all-star season, and then they packaged him and Adam Kennedy to go get Jim Edmonds. 
Wow. So they flipped him at his height. Pretty good deal. Yeah, no kidding. Pretty good deal. Absolutely. Pardon yeah. me if I'm uh, not saying this name correctly. Uh, Hostetler of the Giants in 85. This is from the Jim Hostetler. Jeff yeah. Hostetler. Jeff yeah. Hollish. Thank you. Jeff and uh, Nick Foles in 2017. <laughs> Nick Foles is a great one. He was around forever, wasn't he? Nick Foles is a great one. He had a great year with the Eagles initially under Chip Chip Kelly to the Super Bowl. Well, that was I wouldn't even I'm not even talking about that year. He so before the Rams acquired that was Foles, the reason why they traded for him. He threw for like 26 touchdowns and two picks. Like he had an incredible year. Rams trade for him, not so great. Mm-hmm. Then he went back to Philly. Carson Wentz gets hurt in L.A., diving into the end zone, shreds his knee. Foles takes over. Horrendous in the final two regular season games. Does not play well in a divisional game against Atlanta, but the Eagles' defense holds Matt Ryan and company to like 10 points. He had a great game against Minnesota in the NFC Championship game and then an historic Super Bowl against the Patriots. No, he was awesome that that game. Foles' career. But he, he didn't it seem like he was around for over a decade? Yes. I mean, he would just pop up randomly on teams. He's like, oh, the guy got hurt. Here's the backup, Nick Foles. You know him yeah. from boom, 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 boom. Right. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah, he yeah, was he around the for, Chiefs for a long time. At least a season. Was he with the Chiefs? I think he was with Kansas City for a season. Okay, you guys can answer me a question. I was in a, a debate the other day. Help me out with this. Chase Daniel? Yes. Still going? Yes. Yeah. Uh, actually, at? Mizzou just... Mm-hmm. Uh, Tweeted out some pictures of him. He's, well, who's he's, he I with? think he's in Columbia right now. I think he's still with the Chargers, is he not? I think he's with the Chargers. How much money he has is. he made? How many snaps has he taken? Oh, man. Oh. Uh, millions would be the first question. I think like 35 million. I think it was 40. like 35, 45 in that range. He's played in 74 games, five starts. That's it. Five starts. In How many uh, pass attempts? He has attempted 273 wow. passes. That and is made it. $45 million or Easily. whatever. Easily. Good for him. Good for him is right. Wow. What a career. And he just keeps going. Like, seriously, just, hey, if you're calling me, no problem. Yeah. Would like to be a backup somewhere. Chase Daniel. How about that? It's amazing. He he has played for, just because I'm looking at it, Washington, the Saints for three years. So Washington for one year. I think he won a ring with the Saints. He was a Super Bowl champion in 2009 with the Saints. Good call. Mm -hmm. He was with the Chiefs for... Two years. Well, three. 13 to four, to 15. He was an Eagle for a year. He went back to the Saints for a year. He was a Chicago Bear for two years. I actually watched him play. I went to Soldier Field, and I think... Was that the uh, Thanksgiving game? I, I think he played... I think he started a um, Thanksgiving game one year. He, he, made, he, didn't, a, he didn't start the game. It was because Mitch Trubisky ended up getting injured. But okay. it was super early in the game. I think it was like first quarter. And Chase Daniel led those Bears to a victory over my Vikings. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Uh, Lions for a year. Uh-huh. He's been with the Chargers the last two years. Somebody just texted in and said that he is a free agent. Oh, maybe he is. Well, yeah, oh, that would maybe. make sense. If he's yeah. in Columbia right now, you'd okay. think yeah, good call. Yeah. <laughs> he should be at training camp. And I'm looking at it now. Yeah, Chargers 2022. And obviously we're in 2023. So thank you, Tax Line, for clarifying. We just wow. didn't put the... Uh, the context clues together. We totally didn't. No, we're not that bright. No. We went over that earlier. We've established that. Yeah, we'll also go over what we what you missed from today's show. Criticisms, compliments. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
if you missed anything from today's show, you can always download the podcast at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Dan McLaughlin uh, filling in for Jamie Rivers today. Dan and I discussed a lot, including the Cardinals deciding to go with Miles Michaelis uh, or take him out of the game last yeah. night and whether or not they got to move away from kind of the modern area era of handling pitchers, not only from a starting standpoint, but also a spe- from the specialized bullpen approach. Uh, Lionel Messi, we talked about not only how incredible he has been, uh, Dan judged me for some of the things I said about... Um, now the mics are off, though. Remember, we didn't oh, have it for the audience to listen that's in. That's right. The mics were off. Some uh, coarse language from you. Yeah. But that's okay. We overlooked that. But I was passionate about you really were. where I think yeah. American and soccer where needs to be. I felt your passion. Yeah. And that was great. It came out, and um, I appreciate that. I really do. Appreciate you, Dan. Thank, Thank you. You, you too, buddy. That. Yeah. Uh, is, so we talked about the greatest show on turf because Dan had an opportunity to interview Isaac Bruce and Tori Holtz at the Assumption Golf Classic. Ascension. Ascension, excuse me. Yep. The Ascension Golf Classic. And Dan did a, a, a fantastic job interviewing both guys about their time in St. Louis. So we discussed not only the impact of the greatest show on turf, which many football fans here are aware of, but Dan asked me, I thought, a great question about, you know, will we see, will we see that again? Do we see that in any offenses now? So... Dan and I discussed that as well. Played Are You Sold? And also discussed uh, which athlete will go down in sports lore as uh, as a one-hit wonder. Not to mention the most tr- transformative athlete, too. So, yeah. Had a fun show, Dan. It always, was great. Dan, I love having you on the show. And you you're going to be back tomorrow. Yep, I'll be back tomorrow. We got Balloon Party and uh, 10 o'clock tomorrow, Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic will be in studio. Then I'll be hosting, uh, filling in on Friday for the balloon party at 10 a.m. And we'll have Tim Peel, longtime NHL ref. He's going to come on in. I just met him not too long ago. Great guy. Uh, Call St. Louis home and uh, now out of the game, at least from that perspective. And Mm -hmm. call St. Louis home and we'll get into, you know, the little stories that he has. And you know he's got a bunch of stories, man. Bunch of stories. about Jamie. I'm sure there's a lot of stories you could share I about I think Jamie. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> you're a pro. You know what you're doing. It may take half the show, if not more. <laughs> yeah. Jamie Rivers. Next thing you know, time check. Brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. It's now 1045. Yeah. Here comes BK Ferrario <laughs> next. Uh, but Dan, always always love doing the shows with you. You too, buddy. Always a lot of fun. The time goes by fast. So thank you for filling in today for Jamie. Thank you. Appreciate it. Now here's Andrew Marsh with criticisms and compliments, and I thought Marsh, you got the best compliment of the day sure did. early on when a texter had said that they appreciated the fact that once BT uh, left us high and dry, that Marsh has got more airtime, and Marsh is doing a tremendous job, which he is, and always does a great job behind the scenes, too. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I, I did get a text from Marsh's burner. Marshy is the goat, so no doubt I mean, it was perfect for uh, Marsh's burner. Nice, so I appreciate that. I, I want to give a goat. compliment. And this is from all of us to a former teammate who also likes to fill in from time to time. But Michelle Smallman, who's moving to national radio on the uh, not the opening drive, but the morning show, which will appear before the opening drive, right here on 101 ESPN. That's absolutely incredible. Michelle has worked so hard to you know advance her career locally here starting off as Bernie Mickle when I first met Michelle yeah. I first met her as Bernie Mickles's producer I was the produ- I, I was coming in as a producer of the fast lane I got to know Michelle uh, from a producing standpoint and then of course she it, it was co-hosting with Bernie for a while of course she did some co-hosting with Randy as well 
couple of times back and forth from Bristol. She went out there and was a producer for Ryan Rossillo on the Ryan Rossillo show. Um, and it's just, I've heard, you know, I'll be driving around on a weekend, Dan, and I'll hear her on Mad Dog Sports Radio or here on ESPN Radio. And she's she's a total pro. She works hard. And I think she's going to do a tremendous job. And I was I was thrilled to see that she got the the morning show as part of the the, uh, the show with Chris Canty. I am too. I mean, that's a long road that you just detailed yeah. to get to that point, and it's uh, a great compliment to her and her talents uh, to get to that point. And the ESPN radio show in the mornings, the one that is before um, the opening drive, that show is everywhere around the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is on hundreds of stations across the United States, and obviously you can uh, get it on your phone in various places, but you know what? That's a that's a daunting job. It's a huge job, and it's a well-deserved job. So yeah, good for her. Absolutely. Marshy, reading more texts about yourself? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm just. Well, actually, there was one. Um, <laughs> we got one uh, from the three one four. Marsh will always be Sunny D, which is was very true. I don't know if you know that story, Dan. Go ahead, we'll tell, run out tell of time, the, I think. But go ahead. Tell the guy. No. It was, uh, what was it, during uh, a, a gauntlet? And I can't remember the exact question verbatim, but it was basically like, what is the vitamin in, was it in the sun or in orange yes. juice? Yes. What is, right, what is the main vitamin in orange juice? And I, which is, it's vitamin C. I said vitamin D because of sunny, sunny delight, D, which right. I thought was orange juice. And vitamin D you get from the sun. Exactly. Yeah. So I put the two and two together. Like the fast lane would, and uh, <laughs> I said, son, I, I said vitamin D, and that okay. was obviously not the right answer. That's okay. Hey, hey I can understand a, how you, you go know, one lane, and then it's the next lane, and here we are in the fast lane. Right. Good call. Yeah. So, and you're mixing up vitamin C and vitamin D. Yeah, it happens. It does. I've mixed up names before. No. <sighs> Once a show. Did you call me Jamie earlier? No, but I did call Jeff Hostetler. That's Jim what I'm Hostetler. Mm. Maybe it's his brother. That's you I know hope. you should be docked and pay for that. I probably should. <laughs> Actually, don't. You only have four hours to fill every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, some there are some days when like there's the the texters will you know they'll get on us about certain things. I'm like four hours a day to fill. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> it's a lot of talking, man. It is. We got a, a text from the uh, the six three six. You mentioned the uh, greatest show on turf segment that we had earlier today. This texter said, loving this segment, gents. Thanks for having it. Very thank, cool. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I always enjoy that, too. And, Dan, I, I enjoy looking at how offenses are, are, are built. Like, the you know, Don, Air Coriel, Don Coriel is what Mike Martz based his offense on. But then he took some from, like, North Turner. Exactly. And just, I mean, he did so much, right? But you look at some of the more successful offenses, uh, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, uh, 2007 Patriots. The 2016 Falcons had the had the same number of points as the 2000 Rams. That that offense was based on Joe Gibbs and Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. I mean, I just love that part of it. Bill Walsh came into the Rams locker room after they beat the 49ers. Remember, they had just gotten trounced by them, whether yeah. it was on the West Coast or early on in St. Louis. Right. Same old Rams. <laughs> Ken Norton did that and yeah. all that good stuff. And he came in and said. After I think they they put up a bunch of points, but it was the Super Bowl year early in the season, and he said, "You guys are winning the Super Bowl." Told that to Vermeil. He goes, "You're the best team in the league. You're going to win the Super Bowl. It's going to happen." Bill Walsh was a genius. And that's so what made me think. So offense. many regards. So yeah. many regards for Dan McLaughlin and for Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stalter. We appreciate you listening. Instant replays next. See you.
You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.